ladies and gentlemen, that's right. This is Matt Sin. That's Wrestle Life Matt, and I'm here on episode 121 with my little brother Micah and my cousin Kyle. Say hi, Micah. I'm sorry. What? Oh, are, are we are we recording? Are we doing something? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's supposed to to say hello. Oh, sorry. Continue. Do it. Do whatever you're doing. It's fine. Don't let okay. me interrupt. Okay, let's try again. Let's try again. My name is Russell Life Matt. I am Matt Sin here with my little brother Micah and my cousin Kyle. Say hi, Micah. Are we recording? Are we? Yeah. Are we on? With, what are you doing? Huh? What are you doing? <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, that gag lasted way too long. <laughs> Oh welcome, my to God. welcome to the show, folks. We drag things on. <laughs> oh, man. You can say hello if you'd like to, Kyle. We do bits on the show and don't tell each other about them. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how good we are at working together. Because we've known each other basically, we've known each other my entire life, at least, because I'm the oldest. That's just not how works. We've known each other my entire life because I'm the youngest. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. See? Yeah. You're old. Yeah. Hashtag like math it. is hard, old brain sucks. Ladies and gentlemen, this day in wrestling history, 24 years ago today, was the very first paid announcement, said with air quotes, of the New World Order. That's right. Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Hulk Hogan had their paid announcement. It was in Orlando, Florida, by the way. Mm. And uh, this is the famous lawn dart spot where Kevin Nash tosses Rey Mysterio into a trailer, and Larry Zbysko, I believe it is, said, you tossed him like a lawn dart. And then they get back in their limo, go away. Randy Savage jumps onto the limo, and the limo drives off. Fast forward to the year 2020, and Rey Mysterio is still treated like a geek on wrestling <laughs> TV. So I want to give a little now bit of Now he's having his face shoved into steel steps and having his eyeball pop out. Yeah, Absolutely. And I'm going to give a little bit of a spoiler. I, the last couple weeks I've been on, I've really, I don't want to say enjoyed, but I, I, I've liked WWE Raw. You've really tolerated Raw. uh, Yeah, yeah. Raw has been pretty good. They've had good wrestling. They haven't done a lot of stupid stuff. But all that changed last night. So we're going to talk about that later. But before we do. Can we just have an hour and a half of just dumping on Raw? Um, yeah. It won't be that long, but just, it was. Yeah, we'll get into Raw. I don't. I don't want to, but it, it might have been. It's the worst Raw I've seen in a long, long, long time. I'll try but to. Raw, I'll try to cut AEW short so you have more time to crap on Raw. I plan on spending tons of time, uh, <laughs> and I don't know if you guys know what happened on Raw, but I'm. We'll we'll go over it, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. It's gonna be great. But before right. we get into that, AEW, and I think this Dynamite was really good. So tell us about it, Mike, and let us know what you think. I also am of the opinion that it was very good. Uh, we open up the night, surprisingly, with the TNT Championship on the line. I expected this to main event. That's what they've been doing recently. But I think it was the right decision. This match started out the night. It was very hot, uh, very good match. Uh, I don't I think, I think. don't think it was announced beforehand. They said a large indie talent was coming in to uh, yeah. challenge for the TNT title. Yeah, and Mox said it, people were going to be really excited, and he was yeah. right. And uh, people, Warhorse had been teased for the last few weeks. That's who I thought it was going to be. They've actually announced now next week Warhorse will be fighting the TNT champion. Uh, but this week, Cody comes out. He does actually. He doesn't even have an entrance this week. So this just this. I'll be honest with you. This is the most uncharacteristic Cody Rhodes segment I think I've ever seen. He didn't have a long entrance. The match was not overbooked in my opinion. 
uh, and I enjoyed it. So not at all like what normally happens with a Cody Rhodes segment. Um, no, but so out comes this guy I've never seen before, uh, Eddie Kingston, uh, not Kofi's brother, like you may think, a uh, completely separate family of Kingston's. <laughs> um, he is apparently a veteran in the indie scene, and you can really tell it with this match. He comes out, he cuts a really good promo. It was I mean, exceptional. As good of a promo as we've seen on AEW, barring a few from maybe Cody and, and Jericho, but as, as far as a, a promo goes on TV, very, very, very good. Uh, you can tell he's obviously had a lot of experience on the mic. He starts talking about how Cody is privileged and how he's the one that's really had to grind. Like Cody always says he has to grind. He said, but no, he's the son of a plumber and blah, blah, blah. But Eddie Kingston is the one that's really had to fight for this. And he's coming up and he's challenging Cody, not just to a match for his title, but he wants to see if Cody's a real man because he said he's a grown man. And he's challenging Cody to a no disqualification match. Arn Anderson's over there, and he's like, no, please, don't do it, no. And uh, <laughs> I did that for Riley. She loves Arn Anderson's voice. Uh, and uh, so Cody, being the dumb heel that he is, uh, said, yeah, sure, let's do an ODQ match. I'm sure this won't go badly. And uh, right from the get-go, before the bell even starts, Mr. Uh, Kingston attacks Cody. Uh, the story of the match was that uh, Kingston is a veteran, and that he's using any means necessary. I'm talking eye pokes, uh, low blows, anything he can. Uh, even at one point, bringing out a, th- a pile of thumbtacks. The, uh, what do they call it? The adversary coming in to challenge, the challenger, coming in for the TNT title. Yes. He, uh, he, he injured his knee early in the match, which is a kayfabe injury. I don't think he actually injured his knee, but that was the story of the match. Cody's going after the knee, going after the knee, going after the knee. Uh, but man, one time Eddie Kingston actually, like Cody went to do the little, what do they call it, the vertebraker that he did on Sunny Kiss last week yeah, on Eddie was, Kingston. And great. I was looking and I was like, oh, I don't know if he can, I don't know if he could do that to this guy because he's yeah. a little bit bigger than Cody. And uh, the vertebraker was reversed. And Eddie Kingston picks Cody up and power bombs him into a pile of thumbtacks. Now, folks, this is not something Cody Rhodes has to do. Nope. This is not something on free that TV. An EVP of a company has to do on free TV to get over. He's over. He's the champion. He's an EVP. Uh, I may have my issues with him, but to the general public, he's very over. And this this made him over for me. I mean. Real trooper to take all those thumbtacks. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it for a lot of money, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, so throughout the entire rest of the match, he's bleeding from everywhere. He's got thumbtacks in his gear and his boots and his back and his elbow. It's, it looks awful. People say wrestling is fake. It is predetermined. Those thumbtacks are real. Not a, not a, Not a fun thing. But, again, the story of the match was Cody going after the knee. Cody actually managed to win with the figure four leg lock. Not just a figure four leg lock, a figure four leg lock where he's having to arch himself into the thumbtacks. I thought that was really cool. I thought this was a very good match. I think this is probably the best TNT championship match we've seen. Uh, I can't think of any that even come close, to be honest with you. So yeah, really liked that. And I agree with Twitter. It was uh, number two trending, I believe, at one point. It was trending over NXT, 
Uh, hashtag sign Eddie Kingston. I would yes. not would not mind at all. I think he'll be a great addition. Uh, he actually had had said he was going to retire a couple years back, and has postponed that. But uh, it is good to uh, see somebody in the prime of their the limelight of their career come in, get a big big spot here to highlight their career, and maybe we'll see a little bit out of them. Maybe they'll sign them to at least a short term contract. I want to see Joey Janela versus Eddie Kingston. I want to see Eddie Kingston versus Jack Evans. I want to see some really good matches from this this guy who is, is very talented and I've never seen before. So I think he'd be a great addition. So Eddie Kingston is a legendary independent wrestler, and I wish I could say that I've followed him his whole career, uh, but I haven't. This is the first match that I've ever seen of Eddie Kingston, unless I've seen some indie show that he was on that I just don't remember. Uh, he's been wrestling for 18 years. He is, I believe, 38 years old. Uh, he was also the manager at one time for Santana and Ortiz, so they have a connection there. Um, the dude's incredible, and historically, everyone always talks very, very highly of him, so when I saw that it was him, I was very excited because I've heard of him for years. I've just never looked never looked him up, and this match just blew my mind. This This was not a free TV match. It was just so, so good. I absolutely loved it. Did I just hear Micah put over Cody? I know. I know. Give, good. It, give it a week. We'll see. We'll see how Warhorse goes. Yeah, I mean, I, I this match was great. Uh, and Kingston's pro, promo was also awesome. Oh, yeah. It, very similar to the Drake Maverick promo. And, like, I mean, he, he played heel kind of in, in the match, but uh, – I mean, he was such a baby face when he cut this promo, and right. I don't know how you can't sign the guy. It's it's like when you hear the Drake Maverick, you know, when he was crying on Twitter after the release. I mean, you felt like he got so much sympathy from everybody, and for good reason. Like, WWE had to hire him back. They couldn't let the guy just walk. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure he will get signed if he isn't already to AEW. And, I mean, if, if they could sign uh, what's the dude's name, Ricky um, – the, the new guy. Starks. Yeah. If they could sign that guy in one night based on his match with Cody, they could do it to Kingston too. Cause yeah, this is right. great. Yeah. And if they could sign Luther, they could sign Kingston. Give, give him a Luther <laughs> spot on the roster. I feel like Eddie Kingston may, be a little more expensive than Luther. You may hear me put over Cody, but you will never hear me put over Luther. You can write that down. I don't care if you're listening, Jericho. I know he's your friend. Never put over Luther. That's right. <laughs> write it down. All right. After that, we had MJF versus Jungle Boy. I mean, nope, we've seen that before. Uh, it's Griff Garrison. Yes. Uh, who? Who's, who's Griff, Griff Garrison? Garrison? That's Griff a BTE Garrison. joke, guys. BTE. Yeah. Actually, the stuff. BTE the BTE joke is a little bit less PG, but we keep a, a PG vulgar. here on our our show. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, MJF versus the uh, what do they call it? The Ivy League athlete. I think that's his gimmick. Which yeah. Taz buried him a couple weeks ago in dark. He was like Ivy League. He went to some school I've never heard of. He was like, "There's like, there's like five schools that are Ivy League, and I don't, I don't recognize that one." And then he did it again the week after. And then MJF harps out on it this week. It's great. Poor Griff Garrison. Time for a new gimmick, I guess. Yeah, like what's the deal uh, with all these people st- stepping on a gimmick? Like, you gotta protect the business, guys. Yep, protect <laughs> the business. Can't you can't be putting down big names like Griff Garrison. Uh, but yeah, this was a squash match, as you'd expect, but it was an interesting squash match because 
MJF comes in, he grabs the mic, and obviously that's automatically interesting. Uh, he's reminding everybody he's never been pinned or submitted. He, at one point, uh, so let's, let's let's get into the match. So, so, so Griff Garrison comes out. They start the match. MJF, he has the match, right? He's playing with him. He's toying with him. A couple spots, Griff Garrison te- seems to have an upper hand because MJF is gloating. But MJF quickly regained control. Uh, at one point, MJF, in the middle of the match, goes to the timekeeper's table, grabs the mic, and starts cutting a promo in the middle of the match, which is, in my opinion, hilarious. And I honestly wish we see more of it. I think that was right. pretty great. I don't know why we don't see more of that, especially in squash matches for heels. It's as perfect. long as it's well done like this yeah, was. Yeah, it's was perfect. very well done. Perfect for a character like MJF. I would love to see him do it at one point and it backfire too. I think that would be really good. Um, but yeah, so he, he comes in, he gets his mic, he's cutting the promo. He basically forces Griff Garrison to say he was undefeated. And, uh, that almost led to a roll up by Garrison. I'm glad it led to a roll up, but it almost led to a three count. Glad it didn't. Cause that would have been bad. But, uh, yeah, MJF realizes, Hey man, I got to take this guy seriously. Hits him with his finisher. And one, two, three, MGF beats Griff Garrison. Thought this was a really good little uh, little segment here. I'm not sure that MJF right now really needs squash matches. I think he needs more quality matches. Yeah. Uh, because honestly, the only match I've seen from MJF I actually liked was MJF versus Jungle Boy. And that was, was amazing. A fantastic match. Yeah. But how many singles matches have we seen at MJF? We saw Cody MJF, Cody Jungle Boy, or uh, MJF Jungle Boy. And then this this one, but that's not really, it's not really a match. Yeah, he's he's had a lot of other matches. I don't think he's had a lot of other big name matches though. I can't think of any that stick out in my mind, and I think that's that's bad because MJF is one of the biggest heels in the company, uh, the heeliest of the heels in the company for sure. I think maybe right now this match would have better suited Wardlow and have MJF heckling him maybe, um, but we'll we'll see. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really good segment, and I would like to see some better matches. I want to see an MJF versus Sean Spears feud, to be honest. Heel versus heel, I would love it, uh, which they may still be building into both of them for the Four Horsemen. Who knows? Yeah. We'll see how that unfolds. But I think MJF needs a good feud to bridge the gap between whatever, uh, I guess, Cody from last time and whatever he's doing next. He doesn't really have any set goals or anything right now, it seems like. So they could be holding off because they don't want to. They don't want to put him in something to have him lose. So yeah, I think he's going to wrestle Mox after. Uh, after he, I think he's, Mox is going to continue wrestling Cage, or continue feuding with Cage, and he'll beat him one more time, and then I think it'll be MJF Mox. Entirely possible. Are they building to a Jungle Boy? Like, are they still doing that with MJF? No, no, they pretty much did that. I mean, they had the. That MJF versus Jungle Boy, then they had Wardlow and uh, MJF versus Jurassic Express. So I right. think that was I think that's pretty much done. You may see some more interactions with him, but I don't think that's the main focus of the character. I figure that's why they're having Griff Garrison kind of out there for him to beat up, and then they were still going to do like another. I don't. Yeah, I think it's going to look like him. Yeah. Well, and I, I I think MJF will, especially since he was saying that he lost, or you know, you know, he quote unquote potentially lost. Uh, the match and you know MJF's kind of uh, not setting well with that, or you know 
is in denial of that. So I thought maybe they might lead to something in there. I think ultimately MJF will win and he, he will be built to something like a battle with Mox at some point. But um, yeah, I was, I wasn't sure if they were doing that or not. I would be okay. Uh, perfect. I'd see, yeah. I'd see the match with them. I think we need MJF versus Moxley. I think Moxley needs to retain. And Ward, uh, MJF needs to lose because of a double cross from Wardlow, just like Cody and MJF. And then uh, I want to see Kenny take the belt off of Moxley. Yeah, either Kenny or Hangman, one of the two. Depends yeah. how they do the story. Right. Um, that's the way I want to see that. Uh, I personally, man, I don't know. I don't know if it would be better for Kenny first or Hangman. Crowds, definitely Hangman. Right now, probably Henny, uh, Kenny. Henny, Kenny. Yeah, whatever his name is. Lenny. Uh yeah, after that, we have the Falls Count Anywhere match between the Butcher and the Blade and the Young Bucks. And this segment actually peaked over a million viewers on TNT, which is very good for AEW. They, okay. had, a, they had a very good week viewer-wise. Um, I'm going to keep following this because I know how much uh, Matt is into the Demo God gimmick. So mm. um, we're actually going to have a Demo God update every week. We're going we're gonna to follow the Demo uh, of AEW and maybe the demo of uh, Raw as it slowly Terrific. declines down a hill. I, I like have to you remind seen you. Shirt? He does have a, he does have a demo god eighteen forty nine yeah. in the same like style as Austin three sixteen. Yes, it's terrible. I do want to tell you <laughs> that the week before that happened, you said on this podcast, and I know this because my beautiful wife pointed it out, uh, that you said that people on Twitter we're arguing over the demos and you're like only losers bother with that. And then of course the next week Jericho says it and I freak out. So you yeah. also have to admit that you don't like it. I really, I don't, I don't care for it personally, <laughs> there you go. Uh, but it does bother you. So now I care for it. Terrific. <laughs> that's, that's a great reason to care for it. I think honestly, that's probably why Jericho does it too, because he knows it bothers you. He listens to the podcast. He's like, you know what? Matt Sin with Russell Life Radio. Screw that guy. I'm talking about demos. He's going to cut a one hour long promo. They're going to have the highest demo in history because the demo god's out there. No, but this 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 segment did do over a million viewers. It was the first time in a, quite a while, I think maybe February, that AEW has done a segment over a million views. Uh, it's really good to see. Uh, them them peaking some viewers with a very high quality match in my opinion. This match brought me back to a lot of the backstage brawls you'd see in uh I think it was the Ruthless Aggression era era probably and maybe even before that, but my childhood was the Ruthless Aggression era. And yeah, some really good backstage brawls in in that segment. And also I had some good backstage brawls in the SmackDown versus Raw video games or SmackDown Here Comes the Pain. So it, it brings back memories. It's nice to see them using a lot of the space. Uh, better than perhaps, you know, like Orton versus Edge, something like that. Uh, the Falls yeah. Count Anywhere at match actually did start in the kitchen, which makes sense because it's the Young Bucks versus the Butcher and the Blade. I will say their, uh, their kitchen manners weren't great. They, uh, they were handling some raw beef, and at one point, I think the Young Bucks even threw the raw beef in the Butcher and the Blade's face. It's not yep. safe, guys. Can't be messing around with raw meats like that. I know it's not chicken, but still... Not not safe. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Don't 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 consume raw meat. It's not not good for you. I don't care. I don't care what the what they say with sushi. I know Matt likes sushi, so therefore I don't like sushi. <laughs> Steaks and weights. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, there was. They started in the kitchen. They worked their way outside. 
they they went all over Daly's place. At one point, Matt ended up being thrown into the back of a production truck. Great little Easter egg for me and for some other people who are really into AEW and the stuff that goes on backstage. They had a sign in there that said Mud Show, which if you don't know, the uh, the Cornette podcast, a lot of times Jim Cornette goes off on AEW and a lot of things that are actually good. And some things that are bad, but some things that are good. And basically, he called the Young Bucks and some other people in AEW that they're basically not wrestlers. They're just there for an outlaw mud show saying, you know, they're, they're backyard wrestlers. They're not really into it. So they had their little nod to Jim Cornette there. Uh, I think Jim Cornette's probably made them a lot of money over the years, and they've definitely made Jim Cornette a lot of money. So I think little spots like that are really cool to use. They had the uh, tennis racket in an earlier Dark Order bit. little shout-out to him. So it's, it's, it's nice to see little small nods like that, not just outright saying, talking about the demos or things like that. Just small small gestures I think are great. The people right. that want to see it will see it. People that don't care about it, it's just there. Uh, but, yeah, there were tables involved. The butcher put Matt through a table. Uh, Nick hit him in the face with a steel chair. It was this was just a really good match. I really enjoyed it. Um, a lot of people were saying it, it kind of lacked a story. I guess I get that, but it's just a backstage brawl. I mean, what more do you need? You had tables, you had chairs, you had raw meat, you had production trucks. I liked it. I thought it was really good. What did you think? It was really, really good, but the ending is what really got the demo over, or, or the 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 fan the over a million. See, now the you're thinking of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Thanks for that. Yeah, it got them over a million. And again, we talked earlier about how Cody was powerbombed into thumbtacks on free television on the same free TV show. You have Matt and Nick Jackson doing an elbow drop and a swanton bomb onto tables off of the entranceways. I mean, it's just incredible. And I understand they can't do this every week and they shouldn't do this every week because they shouldn't do this to their bodies. But it's just so talented and they're so willing to put themselves through all this on free television. WWE doesn't do this stuff on pay-per-view. Yeah, this was definitely a more pay-per-view feel show than the last three weeks, which were supposed to be pay-per-view shows. And yeah, weird, but it, it was. If they would have put a championship match there at the end, it would have been a pay-per-view. I mean, this could have been Fight for the Fallen. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I will say that I think it's kind of good that they did this because, you know, you have all these pay-per-view shows and pay-per-view shows and pay-per-view shows. And people think, oh, it's just Dynamite now. And they're like, no, it's not. Because Dynamite is not just Dynamite. Dynamite is awesome, and you'll get pay-per-view level shows. Come l- watch, see what's going to happen. They had thumbtacks, they had the tables, and this is what you get on Dynamite. So it's, I think that's a really smart business move by AEW, personally. Uh, after that, we had some number. It's Alan Angels. He's got a number name. It's dumb. It's almost as bad as FTR's name, but not quite. Can I say, though... Because when I saw that five was wrestling, I'm like, what a waste of time. Five, five. But Alan Angels is talented. So I'm like, okay, well, if they're going to give us these numbered guys that I don't want to see anyway, at least it's not two jobbers. Because even though he's technically a jobber, he's a very talented jobber. So I'm fine with it. Yeah, and he didn't even come off as a jobber in this match, really. And same thing, uh, Alan Angels had a match in the Georgia facility versus Kenny Omega. And a lot of people complained about that match because they think Alan Angels went too far with Kenny Omega. He lasted too long for to be an unknown. I believe uh, I said that as well. Yeah, and 
it was just it was a good match though. I mean, they put on a good match. And this was a good match too. Uh, it wasn't a squash like you would think. And I think it was really good narrative having Kenny face Alan Angels all this time back. Now having Adam Page fight Alan Angels after he's been recruited to the Dark Order. And I do think they did in this match several times say this is Alan Angels known as Five or Alan Five Angels, whatever. That's a much better way of doing this to just calling him Five or yeah. Ten or whatever. Yeah, that's dumb. Don't do that. You want the guy to have a name because he's not always going to be five and need some recognition. Not only that, it actually makes me think he's a real wrestler and not some jobber they found on the street because they could have a different five every week and I'd never know. So I think it's a good idea to actually have him be Alan Angels as five. I think that's a little bit better than what they've done before with like three and four and whatever. Um, I get yeah. that. Yeah. It was a very good match. Um, Angels got quite a bit of offense in on Page, which I think is good to speak to the Dark Order. You know, he was a jobber. He got in with the Dark Order. Now he's getting a lot of offense in. He's obviously progressed. Um, but Adam Page managed to come off with a win. After the win, Brody Lee and Colt Cabana, well, I should say at one point during the match, uh, like five of the members of the Dark Order are standing on the ramp. They come out and they're just watching it doesn't stop Adam Page, though. He's not a dumb baby face. He's going to keep on in the match. He managed to win. But after the match, out comes Brody Lee with Colt Cabana. And they have seven versus one now. And uh, you see Adam Page like, okay, all right, I can do this. And JR is like, nope, that's dumb, which I thought was, was pretty funny because, you know, I, I think it's a good idea to have your announcers be the voice of reason in times like this. Yes, hey, I agree. This is not a superhero movie. Adam Page is not taking out seven guys. He needs to leave. But Brody Lee comes out. Colcaban is like all hesitant. He's always like a small child following around Brody Lee. He doesn't quite right. know what's going on. He's looking around, like looking at all the, the fancy lights and everything, like in amazement. And Brody Lee comes to the, the ring and he cuts a promo on Hangman. He's like, hey, Hangman, you know, I uh, I understand you just beat our guy or whatever, but. I, I, I like you. I really do. And uh, I can't help but notice that uh, even in the face of immediate threat, now this is not a threat, I'm not threatening you, but it, it, it appears that you're in danger. And where's your tag team partner? Where's where's the elite? Where's where's everybody at? I can't help but notice you're out here all by yourself. And Hangman's like, oh, I can take you, I can take you. And, and Brody Lee is talking to him, and he basically is trying to recruit him to the Dark Order. And uh, Hangman says, like, one of the greatest things in the history of AEW. It's like, hey, man, you know, I really appreciate you reaching out to me for friendship. But in, in, in this point in my life right now, I'm just not ready to join a cult. Which yep. Is fantastic. Yep. You heard it here first. Adam Page, an anti-cult. <laughs> not even once, kids. Not even once. He's the face of the company we deserve. No, but uh, Brody Lee, of course, didn't like that because he doesn't like his cult being called a cult because it's a cult. And, uh, yeah, they uh, proceed to beat down Adam Page. And uh, it's not the elite. It's not Kenny. FTR comes out. They've got a cooler full of beer. They bust it over some Dark Order guys' heads. They save Adam Page, and basically when the uh, danger has been eluded, then outruns Kenny Omega. I can only think he was probably in the middle of a game of Street Fighter or something, 
And, uh, you know, it took him a couple seconds. He had to get to a pause point before he could, he could run out there and save his friends. So he gave him kind of a break. But, yeah, so FTR got, got to Hangman before Kenny, furthering that friendship between FTR and putting a more of a distance between Kenny and Hangman. I think this is a very good way to do it, a very uh, natural way to do it. I'm excited to see what they're doing with FTR and uh, Hangman and Kenny. Uh, after that, we had the main event, which was the Jurassic Express versus part of the Inner Circle, Chris hey. Jericho and Jake Hager. I don't want to interrupt because I, I want to let you talk about this. But That's right, I forgot a match, didn't I? Yeah, I, I actually I want to talk a little bit about um, I, I want to talk about the Hangman Page FTR stuff a little bit too. Okay. I, I I want to mention first, before that, I forgot Diamante versus Ivelisse. That should tell you everything you need to know about that match. Yeah, that go was, ahead. Go that ahead was the only bad part of the show. <laughs> yeah. So basically, if you guys have been watching BTE, which I know you have, Hangman Page and FTR had like a little segment on there that, you know, BTE is a little weird because sometimes the, their stuff is, is, you know, it's canon and sometimes it's not. But Kenny has been teasing, doing his cleaner stuff, right? The washer they're going. With. Yeah, the why the washer. So everyone just expects, and I think you you might have mentioned this, Mike, a week or two ago. Everyone just expects Hangman to be the one to turn because he's supposed to be turning on the elite. I'm not sure that's going to happen. I'm not. So I, I don't know. I, I'm really interested to see where this goes. Um, obviously, the Hangman Kenny storyline with the Young Bucks and everything got drastically diverted because of the coronavirus, and now with FTR thrown in there, I, I'm really excited to see where it's going to go. I think it's really good television. I think it also turned because Hangman became such a big baby face. Like, they, they kind of were treating him like he was going to descend. Uh, he, he'd be the one that kind of went away from the group, but the fans started loving him for it, and it kind of forced, you know, creative to be like, well, we can't turn this guy bad. I mean, that's not going to work. So, right. I mean, they probably put pump the brakes on it, you know, kept them champions for a while. And now they're thinking, well, Hangman's the more popular of the two. He's, he's kind of the one we want to get behind anyway. So I think Kenny's going to go heel for sure. I think they're kind of leading, you know, going down that path. Um, yeah. Especially with him me. attacking Marco Stunt after their match and how they've kind of been arguing on, you know, not just on BT, but you know, like like I said, when he attacked Marco Stunt, that was on TV. So they're kind of leaning towards him having some issues on himself now. So uh, yeah, I think they just changed their mind and they're going with something logical, which is something other uh, companies and or television shows of any kind should strive for. Do things to mix right. things. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very compelling story. It's one of the best in wrestling that I've ever seen. Uh, really excited for where they're going with it. And I do tend to agree. I think at least Kenny's going to be going heel before it's over with. I think uh, I think they're going to lose the belts to FTR. And it's going to be something to do with Adam Page's fault. Kenny's going to go off on him. And that's going to start the Adam Page versus Kenny feud. Which the winner of that will probably go on to be the next AEW champion, in my opinion. It's very likely, yeah. Uh, also, speaking of BTE and that stuff being canon and all that kind of things... Uh, you had a, a spot earlier in the in the show where Brian Cage is talking, and, and it cuts to uh, Dark, where they show you that Ricky Starks and Brian Cage have now teamed up against 
uh, Darby Allen. So they've teamed up. They're aligned together. Maybe Ricky Starks is going to be uh, managed by Taz now. And, uh, yeah, I think it's really good that they're actually showing some clips from things that happen on Dark. I think they need to do it a little bit for BTE. But uh, I, I think the main reason they don't with BTE is I don't think Tony Khan really has a lot to do with BTE. I think BTE is the Bucks thing. And I think they kind of have creative control over that. Sure, they may meld things into stories on AEW. But I think it's just their thing. And I think if they start doing crossovers on AEW, they'll feel more inclined to, hey, we got to take this more seriously. And yeah. it's just it's just a fun comedy show. It's not really – it's not serious. I mean, even the storylines on there, they don't always go the way you would think uh, whenever they actually see each other on AEW, you know. So I, I think that's why we haven't seen that. But it is good to see Dark being brought onto Dynamite uh, because that is a legit show. The records count, and you don't really see a whole lot about what happens. So that was that was a really good good move on their part. But I'm gonna I'm gonna move through this so we have more time to crap on Raw. Okay. Uh, we're going to the Jurassic Express versus Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. Uh, in this match. I, I was kind of excited for it because I love Jurassic Express, but also Jake Hager was in the match, and it kind of levels itself out, for being honest. But uh, I, pro- I, I think Jake Hager was pretty good in this match. He was, yeah. I don't know what's he happening. I, I put over Cody, and I put over Hager. I need to check myself. I mean, I need to make sure I don't have a fever or anything because it was a good show. I'm obviously delusional. But, yeah, I thought Hager was pretty good in this match. Uh, Jericho is Jericho, so, you know do that as you will but yeah it was it was a good match it again struggled from that AEW thing of interference you know they the rules don't matter it's like it's like whose lines in any ways the points don't matter uh, right so that's that's always a problem but i don't know i guess i'm just getting worn down talking about it every week it doesn't appear it's going to change so but yeah really good match uh Jungle Boy, so I'm just going to go over a couple spots. Jungle Boy, at one point, did a a Hurricane Rana, maybe, on Santana, because he was up on the ropes. And so, like, Luchasaurus, like, picked Jungle Boy up, put him on Santana's shoulder. He did a Hurricane Rana, and then Santana hit Ortiz outside the ring with the Hurricane Rana. That was a really cool spot. Yeah, it was. You had uh, Hager playing a really good Hoss. Him and Luchasaurus, I thought, put on some really good spots. Um, better than I would have thought, honestly. Of course, you had Marco Stunt and Santana and Ortiz getting involved. But that didn't really affect too much until the end. But, uh, yeah, so we got towards the end of the match. And and Luchasaurus has got Chris Jericho. He's got yeah. him. He, at one point, has him down for a five count. But the ref is again getting distracted by Santana and Ortiz. There was the closest near fall I've ever seen, just about it. It was really good. Perfect on Jericho's part of that kickout. It just just perfect. Uh, but then, of course, they're getting the re- referee Aubrey Edwards getting inter- uh, uh, and not interfered on, but she's getting distracted. Distracted. She's getting distracted. Uh, words. How do I use them? Uh, she's getting <laughs> distracted by the inner circle. And at that time, out comes Sir. Pentico. And you may think, who's Sir Pentico? Well, he's a uh, an indie wrestler. He's been on quite a few things for AEW, doing a lot on Dark. He's been on a couple of Dynamite shows. Uh, he's he's pretty good, pretty good wrestler. Uh, he's a masked individual, so you can't see his face. 
And the referee's distracted, and he comes out with a bat and uh, lays out Luchasaurus with a bat. I think it was Paul, or whatever Chris Jericho's bat's name is. Uh, Floyd. Floyd. It was Floyd. Yeah, yeah you're right. And and the, the, the announcers are doing a great job. Wow, is, is Serpentico joined the inner circle? And I'm thinking, well, I guess they could have somebody come in while Sammy Guevara's out, you know, fill out the ranks. It kind of seems a little slim without him there. And uh, so, yeah, he lays out Luchasaurus. Jericho uses that to get the code breaker on Luchasaurus. And Luchasaurus is pinned by Chris Jericho for the one, two, three. I'm not super hyped on Luchasaurus getting pinned by Jericho, but he had Jericho beat. It was only heel tactics that allowed them to win. And if Tony Khan would control his roster and control his rules, it wouldn't have happened. So I'm looking at you, Tony Khan. Make the rules happen. (laughs) After that... Serpentico joins the inner circle in the ring, and he's just beating down on the Jurassic Express. They're just, just kicking him. They're, they got the bat going and in. Jericho did this so well because he looked totally lost. He's like, yeah. who is this guy? Who is Serpentico? Yep. Who's Griff Garrison? And, uh, yeah, so they're, they're going after him. Out come the best friends. They're there to defend uh, their friends, the Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Jurassic Express. They lay out the best friends, and Serpentico looks at the screen, and I'm like, oh, I know who that is. That's not Serpentico at all. Out comes the mask, and our boy Sammy Guevara has returned, and Chris Jericho looked like he was just reunited with his long-lost son. Basically, he was. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, it was really, really cool moment. Um, Jericho on Twitter had said he didn't know that... Guevara was going to show up there. I find that hard to believe. Yeah, I do too. Uh, but yeah, it was a really, really good spot. Some good acting by Jericho, if it was acting. Uh, glad to see Guevara back. Hope that he learned everything he needed to learn and has, has, has grown as an individual. I feel like he has from everything I've seen. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't think he deserves to, to lose everything. You know, it, it's as someone who seems to have grown. So glad to see him back. And this is a very good match and a very good show by AEW. Is there anything you want to say about the uh, finale of the show? Uh, well, I knew it was Sammy, and it was weird because my wife and I were sitting here watching it. And as he's getting in the ring and he's attacking, I said, oh, my God. Because literally during the match, I'm like, man, the inner circle really misses not having Sammy Guevara. And so basically, uh, when he's getting in, he's, he starts attacking him. I said, oh, my gosh, that's Sammy. And my wife says, no, there's no way that's Sammy. Because he's got himself a little bit of a tan. And so they zoom in on his face. And my wife, my wife, my beautiful wife, who I'm sure loves me very much, says, you can't hide those eyes. That's definitely Sammy Guevara. And as he starts pulling up his uh, mask, you can uh, see his, he's got his tongue out. You can see this clearly him. And uh, Jericho freaks out. I There's no way Jericho didn't actually know that was him. But he was just so confused. Like, he played it off so well. Because when Soprano goes in there, like he's beating people down, and Jericho's like, "Why is this guy in here?" Like it was just, it was really, really well done. I love this. I love this whole show, except for Evilise and Diamante. And I know we skipped it. Uh, those are two very talented wrestlers that just did not have a good match. So it's unfortunate uh, because you it know, wasn't it, the worst match, but it was just it was for AEW. It was bad. Yeah, it was. It was a mediocre for run. AEW's women's division. It was great though. No, that no. Really I believe uh, Diamante is getting a match against Sheeta this week on Dynamite she as well. She's oh, non-title, well, but she's getting a match. So 
Yeah. Non title match? Okay. I thought it was a title match. Maybe I think it's not a title, but I'm not sure. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I'd be surprised if she came in and got a win and like immediately got a title shot, but anyways. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll we'll know we'll know tonight. Uh, it's not like we have like a podcast about wrestling. We should know these things. Right. But <laughs> I think if I had to grade this show, probably an A minus. A minus show. Uh, it wasn't perfect. And you had that one women's match that was just kind of there. Uh, but yeah, I'm going I'm to give it an A minus show. I think a, a former Micah may have given this an A show, A plus, maybe even, who knows. But uh, I'm jaded now. The, uh, the no rules have gotten to me. And uh, yeah, no fans have also gotten to me. So A minus show, which I think is still very good for what we've been seeing recently. Okay. I totally, I, yeah, I, I would probably say A. Uh, even though the, I mean, the Diamante Ivelisse match was five or six minutes, what did bother me though was during that match they had was a big swole like like an I, interview. I hated out. that. You're right. I in forgot about that. Match, I forgot about that too. It was oh, like that's so bad. Why did they do that? I literally looked at my beautiful wife and I said, "This is the most WWE stupid thing they've ever done." Like it was really really dumb. I was not happy with it at all. But the rest of the show was so good. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. I forgot you mentioned that. B plus. Yeah. So <laughs> A minus. That just furthers uh, my stance on the A minus. Yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna take a short break. We're gonna come right back, and Kyle's gonna get us into WWE SmackDown, and then we're all going to yell at Raw for an hour. And with that, we're back, Mr. Kyle Pauly. Yes. Are you ready to tell us about? The power of face paint. <laughs> I sure am. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's talk about SmackDown. Uh, yeah, Matt is referring to what happened in the main event of the show, which we will get to. But yes, actually, this was a, I would say, a decent SmackDown. Um, not wow. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Um, hmm. I've seen worse, uh, and we'll we'll obviously get to that uh, when we talk about Raw. But not not a horrible show. So, um, I mean, still a little bit of a, a lot of WWE lately has been good wrestling with horrible booking and still not, you know, the best booking in the world. Right. But uh, I mean, I can tend to be, you know, same way that Matt says, like, if you have good wrestling on a show, like it's kind of hard to not to completely hate on it. Unless the booking is just like atrocious, like it has been a lot of the time, but. I mean, for the most part, this is a fairly fun, sh- you know, show. Um, and the main event kind of contributed to that. It, it was, uh, you know, pretty entertaining. So we'll get into that. Um, to open up the show, speaking of the uh, the bar fight, obviously, uh, I think it was originally going to happen at Extreme Rules. And then it got changed to SmackDown for ratings purposes, which seemed to help. Uh, ratings got bumped up a little bit this week for SmackDown. And... They kicked off the show with Jeff Hardy and Sheamus kind of talking about the bar fight, similar to how they had all the promos at the beginning of last week. And they seemed to take my advice or, you know, they probably had watched it and just saw that it was horrible. So they kept it a little shorter this week and just focused on the main event. So again, it was an improvement. So can't really hate on it too much, but we had Jeff Hardy looking at the camera and he comes out, but which I mean, <laughs> it was good for what it was, but just imagine I just thought about this when they opened it. I was like, just imagine I'd never watched the show before or I was showing a friend who'd never watched it. And you open the show and the first thing is Jeff Hardy sitting there staring at the camera and he says, hi, I'm Jeff Hardy and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> like, 
That's literally the first words that happened on SmackDown this week. So interesting. But he goes on to basically say that he's facing his demons tonight against Sheamus in the bar fight. And uh, if he can overcome uh, the bully Sheamus and his demons, then uh, it'll be, you know, another step on his path to redemption. So it was good. And Sheamus obviously came on and played the bully. Uh, And then randomly, we had JBL and his stupid face come on uh, Zoom. Like he was on a Zoom talking about how he's going to give his thoughts later in the show. But he knew he knew all about bar fights and stuff. And the entire time the camera was like shaking. I don't know if he was holding the laptop with one hand, like suspended in the air or something, but do you just sit your laptop down or get a mounted camera on your computer? Like, I don't know what he was doing, but this was shaking back and forth. So it's annoying and it's JBL. So, so, but he promises he's going to give his prediction later on in the show. Uh, So yeah, short and sweet opened up the show. Uh, Then we had Sasha and Bailey come out. The, uh, the women's tag team champions, Bailey obviously being the SmackDown Women's Champion, and Sasha Banks still carrying the Raw Women's Championship, which we're going to talk about that more later. But she's apparently still allowed to just carry this thing around, even though it was clearly stated that she had not won the belt. So yeah, there's she just stole it. No yeah, deal. she's just walking around with it. Uh, so she's. They come out there and basically say that uh, they ushered in the women's revolution, but now it's over. It's the beginning of the Bailey and Banks era. They talked about how they were, they, they said, they, whatever the dic- the uh, definition of greatness in the dictionary. And then they said there was a new definition, which was just the same definition, just with their picture next to it, I guess. Um, so yeah, they're just, you know, they're, they're coming into the roles, I will say, as heels. So uh, it's not a bad segment by, or, you know, talking point by any means. But, um, but this brought out Nikki Cross and Alexa. So uh, Nikki comes out. Demands a rematch to Bailey. Uh, she, she said something about her heart and her and a rub or something like that at one point. And I was like, what did she say? And then I realized, oh, yeah, she's Scottish or whatever. And she actually said she hurt her ribs. So uh, okay. <laughs> referring to the thing that Sasha holds in her hand that says boss on it or whatever Michael Cole called it. <laughs> so she was playing that her you know ribs were still hurt. She had her ribs taped up. And she so she demanded a rematch. Bailey actually agreed to a rematch, but she said as long as you can win a match tonight against a former SmackDown Women's Champion, a future Hall of Famer, basically teasing that it was going to be Sasha, but instead she had says, if you can beat Alexa Bliss, you can take me on next week for the title. Which wow. I was like, that's high praise for somebody you're you know, supposed to hate. I mean, yeah. I know the play was that Bailey was, but I mean, she called her a future Hall of Famer. I'm like, that's a pretty big you know, compliment. But uh, so anyways... The two kind of looked at each, at each other and Nikki was surprisingly like, we've got to do this. And Alexa was like, I mean, we don't have to, you know, like she was like, don't listen to them. Like we're, we're friends. We, and also Nikki Cross shoves Alexa down on the ground and she heads to the ring saying, we have to do this. So we got Nikki Cross versus Alexa Bliss to open the show. And Bailey and Sasha joined Michael Cole and Corey Graves on commentary. It was fine. It, it, I mean, it was just a typical you know, a women's match. It, it wasn't, you know, amazing by any means. Uh, obviously they were playing on the, like Alexa went to slap Nikki and Nikki blocked and said, you're going to slap me. And Alexa's like, well, you shoved me down. And they, you know, started fighting. And uh, it, it was just, you know, obviously Bailey and Sasha were also on commentary talking crap the whole time. And 
Uh, so Bliss and Cross fought to the outside. Uh, they were, you know, haggling them while they were fighting and like, you know, or heckling them. And Bliss and Nikki, you know, stopped fighting for a second and then attacked both of them before we went to the commercial break. Uh, we came back and uh, like I said, they had a pretty fine match and the finish basically came when Cross went for a cross body, but missed it, landed hard on ribs. She was like, you know, in severe pain, you know, teasing like she might've been hurt. So Bliss being the good friend she is kind of backed off, you know, to let her kind of see if she would, you know, be able to continue. The ref checked on her. She says, I'm fine. So Alexa kind of walks up to her. Nikki grabs her, pins her with an inside cradle. Uh, and Nikki Cross gets the pinfall and she gets to take on Bailey next week for the championship. Bailey, surprisingly, was not very happy on the outside. Uh, and I say no. surprisingly because it's like, dude, you made the match. There was a 50, right. for, 50% chance you were not going to win this. So I don't know what you're expecting. But uh, Alexa is also disappointed and Cross is excited because she gets to uh, take on Bailey next week. Um, so, and then if you're friends with someone yes, and someone says, hey, if you wrestle them and beat them, you can face me. If you're a good friend, wouldn't you just lay down for them? Yeah. I mean – Right. Well, true, and but she also shoved Alexa at the beginning, so I think that's kind of where, you know, she's like, "Hey, don't be a jerk." And but I agree, they probably, you know, I don't know. It, it, I if it was for a championship, I'd be like, "All right, let's you know, let's just have a good fight and may the better man win." But um, it, it was fine. So yeah, basically, we had a. We had an awkward conversation in the back. They were kind of talking over each other. One, you know, Alexa was still kind of apologizing. She she says that Nikki got one over on her, and she congratulates her. You know, gave her a hug, and uh, says it's time to focus on Bailey next week. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm guessing because they've kind of been teasing that there might be dissension between Bliss and Cross, which I'm fine with. They've kind of been a team long enough. Um, I would assume that. Alexa would be the one to go uh, heal at some point, but I was kind of surprised, but it still kind of makes sense that, you know, Nikki, she's letting the title kind of consume her and cloud her. Cause she said that, you know, she, she, she's never gotten the chances that Alexa's got, and this might be her only shot. So she's kind of being consumed with the title and losing her friendship with Alexa and Alexa's not being a jerk about it. She's trying to be nice, but, I kind of wish they would at least built on a little bit more here. Like have Alexa say, Hey, that wasn't cool. Like shoving me, like we didn't have to do that. Or, you know, we could have, you know, done something else, but right. you know, be human. Yeah. But Alexa's just kind of like shoving it off being like, you know, whatever, congratulations, you won. And it's just, yeah. So, uh, but still I can't put complain too much cause they're actually doing something interesting with them, but, uh, we'll see where it goes. Um, so that's that's kind of what I'm thinking with this. So next week we had Nikki Cross versus Bailey once again for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, we'll see what happens. So after this, we got highlights of the Swamp Fight from Extreme Rules, and then we got a short Firefly Funhouse segment where Bray um, he's back to you know Mr. Rogers Firefly Funhouse Ray or Bray with the uh, he's got the lamp that's you know Bray Wyatt's old head or whatever and basically talking about how that Wyatt was gone and he's not coming back. Cause the lantern was like whispering to him and stuff. Uh, I guess we didn't find out what happened to Strowman. He just kind of, you know, talked about how the fiend has come back and that's basically all there was to know from the segment. 
Uh, Let's be clear. No one cares what happened to Strowman. Nobody. <laughs> it's very true. But yeah. uh, basically, this was all a segment to say the Fiend is back. He, he's unleashed again, which I didn't even know he was away or took a sabbatical or something. But yeah, he's back. So that's all we need to know. Uh, after this, we get a recap of AJ Styles defeating Riddle from last week. They highlighted, uh, you know, AJ shaking his hand and then Corbin attacking Riddle from behind. And then we got uh, Matt Riddle going against Tony Nese, which they talked about how Matt Riddle, Matt Riddle needs to bounce back. He can't let this kind of derail his, you know, his career, you know, just starting off on the main roster. Uh, this, you know, was kept short, but it was, you know, entertaining. Matt Riddle won with bro Derek. Uh, no surprise here. And after the match, he grabbed the microphone. Uh, he says, like, I don't have a lot of experience with this. Like, it's like, dude, you're on NXT for like two years. Like you've been in WWE. Like, I don't know why we're pretending like he's just brand new to wrestling. So he just grabs the mic and says, I'm pretty new here, but, uh, I'm calling out King Corbin. And then Corey Graves is like, Oh, I don't think it's a good idea. And I'm just like, can you not like bury your superstar still? Like, yes. Why is this not a good idea? So anyway, Corbin comes out. Uh, he, you know, says, Matt Riddle, you don't know how things work around here. You can't just call out the king. Uh, Riddle says that, uh, you know, he's got like a fake kingdom. Uh, Corbin told Riddle that uh, he could go back to NXT for some more seasoning or maybe based on him beating Tony Nese, he, he could go and have a good career on 205 Live, just burying NXT and 205 Live. And I was just like, are we going to put anybody over on this segment? So... Corbin is so confident that Real doesn't belong. He says he's announcing the King's Ransom. So for any superstar who wants to take out Riddle can collect payment for it. He didn't really say what the price was, but he said it there. So uh, Triple H did that to Goldberg, and he definitely said a number. I think it was like $10,000. Yeah. Uh, and it's also hilarious that, like you said, Matt Goldberg was involved in a segment like this, and now Riddle's doing the same thing. Uh, but Riddle told Corbin that he's got it all wrong. <laughs> And he, he promised Corbin will be the next person as a guest on the bro show, which I was kind of like, oh God, that's his new line, but whatever. Nice tried to jump him from behind. Riddle, I guess, trying to, you know, claim this ransom or whatever. But Riddle turned around and just rocked him with a head kick that looked, and this comes from somebody who has watched several MMA fights. It was a solid head kick, obviously Matt Riddle, a good MMA background. And also Nisa's selling of just like instantly dying. I was like, that's how you sell a head kick. And we'll get more into that when we go talk about Monday Night Raw as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Nice knows how to sell a head kick. And I really wish this was Riddle's finishing move because it looked awesome. Right. Uh, so yeah, so there, now there's a ransom on Matt Riddle. So it's like he's the new 24-7 champion, I guess. So we'll see. Uh, in the back, Ms. Morrison... Uh, are talking about Naomi trending on Twitter. And I mean, I heard about this, but was she really like, I don't know. We also got JBL giving his thoughts on the bar fight between uh, Seamus and Hardy to which he picked Hardy to win the match surprisingly and not the bully to win. Hint, hint. Yeah. Yeah. JBL's a bully. Right. Uh, <laughs> so then we got a Miss TV segment. Uh, pretty typical Miz TV. I did obviously love uh, John Morrison here, as always. They made a bunch of jokes at the beginning. They have a new rating system, which is uh, a star system based on Seth Rollins getting sick. Uh, and they show like pictures of him throwing up. 
So, uh, then they, yeah. So then they vi- invite out Naomi, who is their guest. Say she was, you know, trending on uh, social media, and I was just like, I. So if you don't know, the story was Naomi lost last week to Lacey Evans. A bunch of people got mad because they've been jobbing her out, and yeah. they went on Twitter and said she deserves better. And it started like yep. this hashtag. And they, of course, had to make it into a storyline. And I'm just like, and properly, Ms. Morrison, they said, you were trending on Twitter. And, uh, but you, and you made a big splash when you came back at the Royal Rumble this last year or the beginning of the year. Uh, but you lost that match and you lost last week. So they're basically saying they don't understand why she was trending. Yeah. Which, hey, if you're going to like pretend this is like real, it's a good reason or a good question to ask. Like why, who cares? And basically Naomi says, because the fans know I worked hard for over a decade and uh, they know I deserve better or some crap like that. I mean, it was fine by Naomi. I guess she had to say this, but it's just, I hate when they do stuff like this where they try to bring, they book Naomi to be a loser because she's losing and the fans are like, she deserves better, which she probably does. But then they're like, hey, let's capitalize on this. And it's just like, right. yeah, but you portrayed her as a loser on TV. So, no, she doesn't deserve better because she lost her matches. But whatever. So Lacey comes out. Uh, she points out that, you know, yeah, you were trending, but you've been here for over a decade and don't have much to show for it. She's putting on, like, lip gloss or something the whole time. And so she says, bless your heart. So Naomi comes over and shoves her, smears the lip gloss all over her face. And Naomi says, bless that. And then they get in a fight. Lacey Evans tucks tail. And apparently we're going to get Naomi versus Lacey Evans again next week. So I thought Lacey Evans was like this. And I say this in jest because I know she's a heel now, but she's just like mom. And she was like this military lady and she was pro USA. And like, man, I'm sure that that this heel turn must have been, you know, well thought out because to turn someone that was so pro USA was a good mother. It must have taken a lot to, to turn her heel, right? You're thinking way too much into, into this. <laughs> Matt, that was that was two weeks ago. That's like an eternity in the WWE universe. So they've stupid. literally got a little switch, and uh, it's called the Big Show Switch. Superstar, yeah, and they just. Uh, Whenever Vince Man chooses, sometimes he'll stumble. He's kind of old. He'll like leaning against the wall, and a couple switches will get flipped. Usually, it's the big shows. It's like on WWE uh, 2K, where you play the WWE Universe mode, and you can just press a button to switch between face and heel. That's kind of what it is. That's Basically, it. yeah. Vince Vince books like WWE 2K games play. Yes, horribly. So yeah, this is <laughs> this was stupid. Uh, I mean it. It was a typical Miss TV segment and just set up Naomi versus Lacey Evans again next week. And I will say Naomi had her dreads, you know, still in her hair. And I just thought if Naomi shows up next week with her hair still like down in the same fashion because her hair got tied up in the ropes in her last match against Evans, which caused her to lose. If she comes out with the same hairdo, she's automatically getting the uh, future endeavor of the week. Like automatically. (laughs) So we'll see what happens. Uh, in the back, we got a recap of Cesaro and Nakamura defeating New Day for the tag titles. Uh, in the back, Biggie's standing outside the trainer's room when Kofi walks out. Uh, you know, 
he Biggie's concerned and uh Kofi said, you know, he's he's asking what like what the doctors say and Kofi's like, you know, he, he looked at me and he he's evaluated me, said I'm gonna be out of action for six weeks. And so Biggie's just like devastated. But Kofi, you know, he's like, I'm not gonna be sad about it. You know, I'll get to spend time with my family, which is great. Um, he's like, but he's like, Biggie, I think this is basically the universe speaking to us. You know, I'm you know, out of action. Xavier's out of action for now, so it's your time. And Biggie was just like, "No, man, like we're a team. We, you know, this is us." And uh, Kofi just had to talk him down several times. And I was like, "You know what? I really hope they build off of this and actually give this guy a big push." Yeah. And make this guy a single star on SmackDown because I've heard so many you know different stars, including CM Punk, who is once one of the biggest stars in the company, say Biggie actually does deserve better because he's hilarious. He work, He's a great worker. And I mean, he's not been a loser on TV, but he's kind of been stuck with New Day for a long time. And Kofi got his shot. It's Biggie's time. And like, this was such a baby face. Biggie, like not wanting to be selfish. Right. You know, he's wanting to be there for his friend and Kofi finally giving his blessing. This could like branch off into a really big baby face push for Biggie, which the fans already love him anyway. So did you, I really did hope you they... Go ahead. Did you see Mick Foley's uh, promo he cut on him on Twitter? Uh, no. Yeah, Mick Foley cut like a whole promo about how deserving Big E is of this and what he has to do to actually be a superstar, like a like to possibly win the belt. Blah blah. blah. It's really good. And uh, I'll say this: I want Big E to win the win the Rumble next year. That's hey, what I want. That would be cool. You yeah, know what I want? Fun. I want Big E to eliminate Brock Lesnar from the Rumble, and I want Big E to say. That's for Kofi. That's a moment they need to have. That would be great. They're not going to do it because that's good booking. But I think that'd be great. I love Big E. If you haven't, check out the New Day podcast after you're finished listening to this podcast, of course. Uh, very entertaining guy. And uh, yeah, looking forward to a singles push from him. Yeah. And this is, like I said, this very good babyface segment. Uh, and yeah, I really hope they actually do something with Big E. But we will see because you never know with this company. So then we had uh, Intercontinental Champion AJ Styles make his way to the announce table uh, because we had a fatal four-way match to determine a number one contender for the IC title. Uh, on paper, this looks really good, was it? Yeah, it was a fun match. Uh, it didn't really make much sense booking-wise, but it was fun. So I say that because... Uh, the participants in this match were Shorty G, Drew Gulak, Lince Dorado, Grand Metalik. Now, okay. Shorty G, great wrestler. Stupid gimmick, but great wrestler. And right. they kind of tease that they might do something with him at some point. I mean, he's he's kind of not been completely terrible since the Sheamus debacle with him and Apollo Crews. He's been somewhat of a guy. Uh, Drew Gulak obviously has a win over AJ. He also got squashed by him, but he has a win over him. And then we have uh, Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado, who are the Lucha House Party, obviously, who are good workers, but are losers. So right. they had a good, fast-paced match, a lot of action. And hey, Shorty G looked like a star I, you know, in this match. He was, you know, does, does his normal thing. It's great. And you're th- and even they're they're playing him up on commentary, like AJ and like um, the announcers are playing him up, like, you know, he's the guy out of this match. They, I mean, they mentioned Gulak because, you know, AJ's got a win over him, but 
they kind of put over Shorty G here. So I'm thinking, this is great. Shorty G's going to win. He's going to get a shot at AJ. Have a great match. Probably won't beat him, but that you know what? That's okay. As long as they're doing something with him. Uh, <laughs> so he basically, at the end of the match, him and Gulak, for some weird reason, try to team up in a Fatal 4-Way match. A very heel move. Um, they managed to get uh, Grand... No, sorry. Lindsay Dorado up on the top rope. Uh, Drew Gulak climbs the top rope. Shorty G... Uh, gets him in like a doomsday device, like um, on his shoulders. He dumps to the outside. Shorty G climbs to the top rope like he's going to hit a flying German on Lindsay. And it appears that he does, but I'm not really sure because he throws him off like backwards. It almost like Lindsay went too far and like rolled into it. It was very strange, but he like kept rolling and then rolled to the outside of the ring. I was like, okay, so he got hit with it and just like just rolled through and went to the outside. It was a little weak looking because he did that, but he he needed to go to the outside, so that's fine. And all of a sudden, Menelik is like climbing the ropes. I'm like, okay, he's gonna try to you know jump on you know Shorty G. Maybe he'll catch him or something. But then I look, and Shorty G is like dead in the middle of the ring. I'm like, okay, like wait, what? He just hit him with a German, and he's just like laying on the mat. And so Menelik jumps off from the top rope, hits an elbow drop, and he pins him. And I was just like, what? Okay. <laughs> so Grand Metalik, I mean, I like the guy and he's a good worker, but he's been a loser and he just beat Shorty G with like an elbow and a very screwy finish. So I don't know who, what agent came up with this finish. I don't know. Like, yeah. They just didn't execute it as well. Like I couldn't tell if Shorty G actually got like quote unquote countered by the, you know, by the Lindsay. I, I don't know. It was very confusing. Uh, next week, we're going to have AJ Styles versus uh, Grand Metalik for the IC title, which is, I'm sure will be a good match. I don't think Lince has a sh- or Grand Metalik has a shot to win, but no. uh, they it was just very strange. I thought Shorty G was going to get the win. He probably should have, but so yeah, I, I, I just don't know what they're going to do with this. I, Shorty G should have won this match. Again, good match, like for what it was, but horrible booking. I don't understand it. So yeah, and and Grand Metal League AJ could be a really good match. Yeah. Also, Metal League did slap AJ Styles after the match, so uh, they, they've had a little competition too. So they will have a match next week for the IC title. Like I said, sure it'll be a good match, but I would rather see Shorty G in this position. So after this, right. in the back, we had an awesome interview with Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. Nakamura gets on, and you know talks his English and, you know, says like he didn't know what was more satisfying Kofi going through the first table at extreme rules or Kofi going through the second table, which obviously if you watch the match, he went through two tables at once. So it's like, you know, so Cesaro Cesaro had a good laugh out of that. And then Nakamura talked about how, you know, Kofi went splat. And uh, Cesaro basically said the only thing that would have made it better is if they could have put Biggie through the table as well. And too bad they didn't get to do it. And uh, Nakamura's thing was just, he kept saying like splat talking about sending him <laughs> to the table. And uh, why? I, I don't know. It was just funny though. Nakamura made it work. And Cesaro basically said he didn't agree with anything Kofi said about Biggie, you know, it being his time. It was their time. And saying that Kofi won't be out. He'll be out for a while. So, they don't think they'll see Biggie again for a while. And they basically said they're going to 
you know, run the tag team division on SmackDown now. And Nakamura said for any of the tag teams in the division, they will just make them go splat. So that's his new thing, I guess. <laughs> so it was, it was a very entertaining Cesaro Nakamura thing. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was funny. So, which that leads us into the main event of the show, Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus in the bar fight. Oh, goody. I watched a five minute recap on this, which was long enough. It was decent. It wasn't bad. It, it was way better than a swamp fight for sure. Yeah. Uh, it started, uh, they had the, they zoomed, zoomed in, I think it was O'Shannon's or something like that was the name of the bar. Uh, they cut inside the bar. The referee is sitting down having a drink. <laughs> he's in his ref gear. So he's like about to go to work, but he's got to throw back a beer or two first before he starts. So that's encouraging. So, but well, kind of funny. So Seamus walks in, he's got his like, you know, newsboy, like Irish hat on walks up and he, you know, gets a drink for the bartender. Same bartender, by the way, that was, that he hired uh, on his zoom segment that Jeff Hardy smashed the ball over his head. Yeah. So like the bartender was totally innocent on all this. Just to be clear. Let's remember that for later on in this match. The bartender was attacked by Jeff Hardy weeks ago. Yes. Unprovoked. Sure. So. Jeff Hardy, the alcoholic. Yeah. So Jeff Hardy walks in from the back, by the way. So he was probably in the bathroom washing his hands or something, I guess. Uh, he walks in from the back, sits down next to Seamus. Seamus asks if he want to drink. Uh, the referee wanted to know if they were ready to start. And Jeff Hardy points out that you're just here to count the three. Uh, but he wants to say something to Seamus first. They basically just talk to each other to start with, like had a, you know, a bar conversation. Uh, said his brother had to delete his WWE career, but he's here to recapture his. Uh, Seamus is ready to start. He takes off his hat, gives it to the bartender, and uh, Hardy throws his beer in Seamus's face and they start brawling. They just start, you know, throw each other all over the place. Seamus eventually throws Jeff Hardy up on the top of the bar, drags him across it. The glasses are just going everywhere, shattering, you know, beating the crap on Hardy, throws him off the bar at one point. Uh, they, they brawl over to this basketball net, like one of those arcade basketball games that's in there. Hardy starts grabbing the basketballs and throwing them at Seamus and beating down with the basketballs. They fight in the hallway. They break into, you know, they go into the bathroom. Uh, they, they grab a keg at one point and we're beating each other up. Um, Seamus drags Hardy into the bathroom and sticks his head in a urinal and starts giving him like a swirly. And that was disgusting because I don't care how many times you clean that urinal. It's still a urinal. So, uh, Hardy is, you know, gagging and like coughing for like a half hour after this, which is not surprising at all. He, he throws Seamus into the stall and is able to crawl out of the bathroom and we'll hear like a toilet flush, which I'm sure this man loved. Uh, Seamus is finally able to recover, walks out of the bathroom. He's looking around for Hardy. He doesn't really see him, but then Hardy emerges with a ladder, hits him with a ladder, knocks him down the hallway, starts, you know, hitting with the ladder some more. Uh, basically just kept beating Seamus up with it. They they fight all the way back to the bar. Seamus catches Hardy, slams him against the brick wall, tries to hit him with a, with a guitar, but Hardy ducked out of the way. Uh, he then, Hardy tries to whip Seamus into a drum set which Seamus reverses and throws Hardy in. And I swear to God, he hits it. And they didn't like pipe this in, but the drum, the sound the drum kit made was literally like, boom. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, okay, I was like, I got a good laugh out of that. So 
Hardy got whipped into a rim shot, basically. Uh, Shameless is basically firmly in control at this point. He went for a bro kick, but Hardy was able to avoid it. Uh, Shameless' leg like goes through a drum like a cartoon character. Uh, Hardy, you know, tries to take back over. He gives Shameless a twist of fate, sets up a ladder to start, you know, climbing up of it. But then the bartender, as Matt said, jumps in from behind, taking his revenge on this alcoholic who attacked him randomly. The baby face bartender. Yes. <laughs> he starts, uh, Hardy tries to fight back. He power bombs the, the bartender through a table. Seamus is able to recover, smashes a bar chair over Hardy's back. He knocks him out. Seamus, for whatever reason, takes a hat and puts it over Hardy's face. He goes to the back of the drink or to the bar to get himself a Guinness. He pours himself a glass, drinks the entire drink. He comes back around. He tells the referee to get ready. He pulls the hat off of Hardy's face, and Jeff Hardy is now suddenly wearing face paint. Ooh. Ooh. His eyes are closed as he is dead. When all of a sudden he opens up his eyes, and if they're going to play this the way they did, they should have zoomed in on his face because you can clearly see that they were see-through contacts, which obviously that's what like these white contact ones are, but you can see all the dots in it and everything. Like, zoom out. Don't, like, give the gimmick away. Like, why do you got to show all that? But he opens his eyes. He's got, like, white eyes, supposedly. He, like, magically gets up, starts beating down Seamus, hits him over the head with a bottle, uh, breaks the bottle over his head, and knocks Seamus to the ground. Hardy's able to climb the ladder, hits the Swanton Bomb, and picks up the win. So magic face paint is what helped Hardy prevail here. He stands up, closes his eyes for a second, and then opens his eyes and the contacts are gone. He's got his eyes back. So apparently he was possessed by something in this bar. Willow. Maybe a uh, literal demon. Yeah. That he had to his channel into. Eyes, his eyes were white, like Rey Mysterio's white eyes. So maybe he just went blind for a few seconds. I guess so. Or maybe Seamus' hat has magical powers. I don't know. But anyway, he, yeah, face paint. I guess it's the demon, Matt Har- or Jeff Hardy. I don't know. His brother Nero. Willow, who knows what this is, but it was strange. But hard to get the win. It was fine. It was a fun match. So whatever. I mean, they, they once again they had to get like a little gimmicky, but it wasn't completely stupid. It, I mean, it's kind of stupid, but not like one that made me angry. Jeff Hardy won. It was an entertaining bar fight. So it was fine. So I can't hate it too much. So that ended the show. All in all, like I said, not a bad show. It was better than it has been. Uh, I wasn't furious by the end, even though a lot of it was kind of questionable, but um, good wrestling throughout for the most part, nothing bad. So I can't give this a horrible grade. So I got to give it a B minus. Um, I thought it was a pretty good show all in all. So yeah, that's my grade. You like the face paint power? Uh, no. I mean, it's probably the worst part of the match because it was just like, really? This guy had to tap into a superpower to beat the big bully, but it's whatever, you know, it's yeah. kind of like fine. They're fighting in a bar. The bartender attacked Jeff Hardy from behind. The referee was drunk. They fought in the bathroom. Like it could have been way worse. It was not the swamp match. And I was just like, <laughs> fine. If you want to do this, the hokey face paint thing, whatever. It was entertaining. Yeah. So I watched that segment and I didn't enjoy any part of it. So. <laughs> was it better than the swamp fight? 
There was no Alexa Bliss, so no. Yeah. They uh, they tried. Uh, I thought they were. I mean, in what you could do in a bar, I thought it was it was you know as creative as they could get. Probably. Um, I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was fine. It was it was a decent bar fight. Like it's not like a five star match by any means, but yeah, for what they had to do and like in these, like. It, especially with all these tape segments like they did, obviously like what I said with the swamp fight with the, you know, street profits and Viking Raiders having the stupid ninja fight thing. Yeah. This was like on the ridiculous spectrum. It's down on the more realistic end, believe it or not. So I was fine with it. I thought it was, you know, fun and okay. So yeah, overall the show was pretty good. I would say so. I give it a B minus. Okay. I would not give Raw a B minus though. Yeah, it's it's not it's not gonna get one. It's not gonna get one. We're gonna take a short break, two breaks in one show. I know, I know. And we're gonna come right back. We're going to talk about WWE Raw, and I have waited a whole day for the all day for this all day, and I'm very excited. We're saving we'll the right worst back. for last. Yes, absolutely. This is the Wave Maker, Kyle Boone, and this is Shiloh, and, and you're, you're listening, listening to Wrestle Life Radio. Radio. You're smart and cool. And we're back. And it's time for WWE Raw. The show opens with Randy Orton. And he comes out to the ring. He cuts a pretty stinking good promo. And he talks about his career. He talks about groups that he's been in. Legacy, The Authority, Evolution. He talks about other greats. And he says that he's better than them. And he says that Drew McIntyre could put his resume against Randy Orton's and that it wouldn't even be a contest. And he's right. He is right. Hey, if if you want to get over new talent, the best way to do it is to have them put themselves over these old gimmicks. Like, you know, Randy Orton, the, the new the newcomer here talking about, you know, how he's better than all these old people. Yeah, he, he did a he did a good job. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> So, but I actually really, I did like this promo. And so I thought, wow, you know, the last few weeks of Raw haven't been that bad. And it looks like we're up for another good show. <laughs> <laughs> and then as Randy Orton walks away, Nia Jax's music hits. And I thought, well, there's, there's that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> there goes that. So Nia Jax comes to the rings and says she's back and it's time for her to get a women's championship. Whatever. It doesn't matter. She's terrible. As she's talking, Shayna Baszler's music hits. And I thought, oh, well, this might actually be interesting. Didn't they try this already and, like, killed their gimmicks for a couple weeks? That is true. They did do that. Uh-huh. I thought this might actually be uh, really interesting. I think it's pretty cool. So, Baszler says nobody cares what Nia wants. And they start fighting. And that's... Pretty much it. Uh, so I thought, well, that's, you know, fine. No big deal. You know, I'm, I'm sure something will come of this because Shanna and Nia, that's actually moderately interesting. Yeah. So then we, we move we move into a number one contenders triple threat match with the Viking Raiders, Cedric Alexander and Ricochet and Andrade and Angel Garza. I do want to say that the announcers in this show, especially at the opening, uh, sounded like they were from WWE 2K because their lines were specifically recorded after the show was already already done because this was a pre-recorded raw and they do that every time and I always hate it. So, I also want to point out 
Yeah. Uh, that is true because they, they recorded this show um, the same week last as week. last as last week. Yes. Yeah. So that makes us even more baffling because going into this match, one of the teams here, which is uh, Andrade and Angel Garza, who is also the heel uh, tag team in this match, the one heel out of the three tag teams. Um, last week they were in, in kind of building up to this. They were uh, kind of at odds, Angel Garza and Andrade, and they were teasing possibly not being on the same page and maybe even, you know, breaking away with from Selena because they could just not get along. And that leads us into this tag match. They surely won't win, right? Well, <laughs> so here's the thing. So last week, they're like, no, we're on the same page like we are. And now they're just on the same page again. Like all the, they, they were not on the same page for like four to six weeks. And then last week, they're like, no, we totally are. And then they were this week. They even wore matching gear for the first time, to my knowledge. So I, I, I don't know. Uh, the Montez Ford and Angela Dawkins introduced them, introduced the three teams. They put over the Viking Raiders. They were even wearing their Viking Prophets t-shirts. Uh, they called Cedric Alexander, Cedric the Sports Entertainer Alexander. It's funny. And uh, they started, you know, ragging on Andrade and Angel Garza, who you just know is going over in this match for two reasons. One, WWE does not put on face versus face or heel versus heel matches. Uh, you know, they did it briefly with the Viking Raiders, but it's, it's so rare. Like, WWE very rarely does that. So you know that automatically the Hills are going to win. Uh, Let's be two, honest, that was barely a match. Yeah. <laughs> and and two, at the very beginning of the match, Angel Garza tosses his pants onto the Street Profits. I'm like, all right, well, they're setting it up. There you go. It's spoiled. Yeah. So this match was pretty good. Uh, as as triple threat tag team matches go. Of course, you heard who was in it, so of course it was good. Uh, would it have been better on another show that isn't under the WWE label or even NXT? Yeah, yes, it definitely would have, but it was pretty good. Uh, there was some questionable booking because at times Angel Garza was like teaming with, I think it was Angel Garza, actually it was Andrade, was, like teaming with Ricochet, and he's like, hey, let's take out Eric. So Ricochet, who's a babyface, teams with a heel, to take out Eric, who's not really a giant man. Like, I could kind of get it if it was Ivar. And I know that's nitpicky, and I'm going to be complaining a lot about this Raw. But it's just one of those things that the show was already not good. So even the little teeny things that bother me really stand out. Hey, man, if I were Rick Shea, I'd probably do anything to get a win at this point anyway. Right. <laughs> so the match was fine. Andrade and Angel Garza win. Um, and they... Kind of get one over on the Street Profits after the match is over. And, yeah, well, that's what we're getting at SummerSlam. Will their match be good? Probably. So, fine. Just fine. Whatever. Uh, so, you see Nia Jax, and she's backstage, and she's talking to John Cone, who was the referee that she stated screwed her over in her title match. Uh, because she wants to make sure that he doesn't screw her over in this next match, which is Shayna Baszler versus Nia Jax. Now... When I'm watching Raw, it is very rare that I get excited. And I can't stand Nia Jax, and I'm not the biggest Shanna Baszler fan, but we are getting what I just said we don't have. We're getting heel versus heel on WWE Raw. I legitimately can't remember the last time it happened. I can't. Can you guys remember the last heel versus heel match on a non-NXT WWE show? Mm, no. They don't do yeah. it. I can't remember the last match I watched on WWE, to be fair. <laughs> well, they just don't do it. 
So I'm like, man, this is actually, this is legitimately exciting. It's new. It's not the same match four weeks in a row. Great. I can't argue Naomi and Lacey Evans after that karaoke match was a heel versus heel match. but <laughs> Right. So Nia and Shayna, the bell rings. They immediately start brawling and go outside the ring. Both of them. And it immediately counts to 10. I mean, immediately. Yeah. The, the time that I see on this, the time step is 44 seconds of a match. Yeah. Which 10 of that seconds was then being counted out. Well, it's more than 10 because the referees don't count. Right, yeah. At, you know, one Mississippi. They count Well, he one. counted Wait, slow to nine and then immediately said 10 after nine. I was like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's like, nine, 10. All right, so, like, he was just like, yeah, we're just going to get this over with. Yeah, so stupid. And so after that, they're mad, so they just beat up all the security guards and, and referees. Just destroy them both. Also, and, uh, I, I will mention, because this made me furious when I watched this, Shayna's they're brawling on the outside. Shayna, like very much like Matt Riddle on SmackDown, who I mean, both are legitimate MMA fighters. Right. Shayna hit a very nice head kick to Nia. Right. Now, you know, properly, as we saw on SmackDown, yep. Matt Riddle head kicked Tony Nice, and the dude went to the canvas basically dead as a board, like just out. So that is a. Uh, what I'm going to call good wrestling. Yes. A good wrestler. Bad wrestler, Nia Jax. Uh, Shayna Baszler, beautiful head kick. Nia doesn't sell it one bit. She just keeps walking forward and just punches Shayna. <laughs> it's yep. just like, I would, if I were Shayna Baszler, I would have like shoved her away and kicked, like I would have put the bottom of my boot right in the like middle of her teeth. Like, I would have yeah. just kicked her in the face as hard as I could. Like, it, Shayna is not getting, you know, she's not getting much help from, you know, upper management, supposedly. And, you know, I mean, she was supposed to go up against Asuka. It was actually Asuka was supposed to go over against uh, Sasha, and they changed their mind with that. And Shayna was going to go up against her. And I don't know if it's because of Shayna or just they changed her mind or whatever, but now she's going up against Nia, which, whatever. But... She just gives her head kick, and Nia just is like, whatever. Like, I would be so furious if I was Shayna. Yeah. Like, I, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, 100% fair. I mean, as, as far as brawls go, they were laying it in for sure. Like, not, I mean, Nia lays everything in for sure because she, like, tries to kill her opponents. But, uh, I mean, Shayna hit a good head kick, even though Nia didn't sell it, and they were landing good blows on each other. So, I mean, for the brawl that it was, it was pretty decent. It was dumb that they were, like, beat up all the security guards and one even at one point had a shirt on and I tried to rip it off and the collar, like the top button was buttoned around his neck and she couldn't get it off. So I thought she was going to choke the man to death because she was dumb and couldn't figure out this shirt is not going to be ripped off this man. Right. And he's rolled outside the ring with a shirt over his head. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it is. I, they're building to a match with him, obviously. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a good match just on based on their styles because Shayna's got a very calculated, slow style, and she works well with baby faces, i.e. like Kyrie Sane or like a Tony Storm or, you know, somebody like that uh, or an Asuka. Like a Bel Air. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if she will get the same match with Nia. So no. Especially if she doesn't sell head kicks. I think it's going to move into – some sort of triple threat. Like they, they just don't do Hill versus Hill matches in WWE. So I, unless they're turning Shane a face, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, but it's, just a, it's just a switch. They got to flip. Yeah, literally. I, I pray Shane survives it. Right. 
Right. So we go backstage, and Seth Rollins is talking to his little buddy Murphy, and Rollins is like, hey, Murphy, are you with me? And Murphy's like, he looks like he's doubting, and he's like, man, I I wonder if Dominic's actually going to show up tonight. And Seth's like, well, of, of course he will, and don't worry, this is all going to be for the greater good. And then, go to commercial. We come back, Mark Henry's talking with Bianca Belair and Ruby Riot. that doesn't matter, but it did happen. I thought I'd point that out. Uh, Rollins comes out, he cuts a promo on the fans, basically says it's their fault, yada yada. We've all heard this before. Uh, he calls out Dominic. Dominic comes out. And he's like, look, you know, this. we're, we're just going to talk. Don't worry. You know, this, this is just us talking. There's no reason to be afraid. Go ahead and come on in the ring. And uh, I believe someone in the crowd at this point yelled, rip his eye out, which I thought was a little funny. And so Rollins is saying, look, I, I don't want you to, I don't want you to, you know, I don't want any violence, excuse me. He says, I don't want any violence. I, I want this all done in the right way. Because you see, I have a soft spot in my, a soft spot in my heart for the Mysterio family. And as Dominic's getting in the ring, uh, which Buddy Murphy opened the ropes for him, uh, Dominic is staring at Rollins the entire time, and he eventually uh, goes and does a double leg takedown, starts punching him. Uh, Murphy's pulling him off. He starts attacking Murphy. Uh, Rollins kicks him, kicks Dominic, and they're double teaming this child, basically. Aleister Black, of course, comes out for the save because... You know, Aleister Black has been on Rey Mysterio's side. They have said that Rey Mysterio means a lot to him. He doesn't, but for some reason they said it. So Aleister Black goes for the save, but you know what? He had his arm injured last week, and he just there's nothing he can do. Uh, and so they stab his eyeball into the uh, still steps, and it is important to point out that Seth Rollins told Murphy to do it, and Murphy's like, I'm going to pass, buddy. And Seth's like, are you with me or not? So then Murphy just jams Aleister Black's eyeball, into the still steps. I would also like to point out that at one point, I'm sure it was a mistake, but I mean, hey, this is taped. They could probably just be like, hey, let's do this again. Yeah. Um, Alistair was about to get his eyes shoved into the steel steps when he, like a normal human would, put his hand up and covered the edge of said steel steps. Right. To which I think he quickly realized, well, if my hand is here, I guess my eye can get shoved into this thing. <laughs> so then he moved his hand. <laughs> and then had his eyes shoved into it. Yep. That's exactly what happened. And so, as his eyeball's getting shoved in, Dominic Mysterio comes with a still, excuse me, with a cane, with a kendo stick, and he has beaten the snot not Glenn out Jacobs. of Buddy Murphy. Yes. Be- yes, sorry. He's beaten the snot out of Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins with his cane. He uh, hit them so hard. He sure did. I mean, he beat the crap out of them, uh, and they, they ran away. They, they legged it up the ramp. He basically beat them until the kendo stick ceased to exist. Yeah, it was it was breaking. It really was. And the last two were like so fake. Like he clearly missed them on purpose. It was like something you do with your kid kind of thing. But whatever, because the other hits were so strong. They looked so good. It was fun. And something I think that was probably a little bit legitimate, but I actually really laughed at. After he beat the snot out of these dudes with this uh, cane and like obliterated it, Seth... And Buddy ran up to the top of the ramp. And as soon as Seth got out there and stopped, he just went, ah, <laughs> in agony. <laughs> it was like, you know, I bet part of that is actually real. Like, it probably yeah. hurt really bad. Yeah, I mean, he beat the snout of him. Totally did. 
So we we're backstage again, and here's Mustafa Ali, right? And he's back there. R Truth oh walks up. This guy. R Truth's like, "Hey man, you uh, you're gonna be going for that twenty four seven title?" And he's like, "He said, I know you're gonna be in the uh, MVP lounge later." And Ali's like, "No, I'm gonna be in the VIP lounge, and I'm actually wrestling Bobby Lashley, so I'm focusing on that." R Truth's like, "Oh, I, I got my eyes on you." Okay, that's fine. Our truth is entertaining 99.9% of the time. This is the 0.1. So uh, we come back from the break. Here comes the Hurt Business. MVP Bobby Lashley and your 24-7 champion, which is very important. We do need to point that out. Mr. Shelton Benjamin. MVP has his newfangled but fake U.S. title. And he says, you know what? Last week didn't go as planned, but that's all right. Because I, I met someone. I met someone that's been gone a long time, and I think that uh, I can help him. I can help him see the light. Ha ha ha. Because it's Mustafa Ali. The light. Get it? MVP welcomes him out. I don't I'm know. Not, I, I, <laughs> I guess Mustafa Ali has lights on his hands and his mask. Okay. Yes. So, <laughs> so MVP or Ali comes out, and they're talking to this guy. And basically, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but basically, MVP's like, you should join. Ali's like, nah, man. And like, that was the, that was the whole thing. And they went through that for like five minutes. And that's, that's what happened. Seriously, that was the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. So, Ali's now wrestling Bobby Lashley. Ali, who just returned last week, okay? <laughs> last week. Yeah, one more week. Last week. I think um, normally... It's been said that Vince ha- Vince McMahon has like a three week rule on people. If they don't get over like three weeks, he loses interest, and that's when they die. Uh, yeah, yeah. I only got one week, barely yeah. one week. Actually, yeah, it was, it was not even one week because this was taped on the same days last week. Right, he's already killed, and a nobody. Yeah. So here's the problem, and I think it's okay. Like you, you don't need to come back and win for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and it's fine. And Lashley obviously is is very has a very imposing look. He is being pushed quite a bit right now. I don't really have an issue with Ali losing. What I have an issue with is for the first like five to seven minutes of this match, Lashley absolutely murdered this man. I mean, absolutely destroyed him. Ali got zero, zero offense in none until like. R-Truth comes and tries to roll up Shelton Benjamin and fails miserably, then runs away. And Lashley's like, oh, what's happening? And then here comes Akira Tozawa and like all of his ninjas trying to roll up Shelton Benjamin. And then Ali uses that as as a distraction to get some offense in. That's what really bothered me. And do I think it was a good, do I think it was good for Ali to lose? No, it's not. I don't think it ended his career, but like it. I do. It may as well, right? Like, this guy, Mick Foley had this huge rant on, I say huge rant. He said on Twitter that Ali should not have lost this match and he would have rethought that booking. And Foley's a very opinionated person, so I, I get it. Uh, but Ali tapped out. He got locked in the master lock. Which is about the worst way a babyface can lose because he yeah. gave up to the bigger man. Yes. It's just, ugh. Yes, the returning babyface. If he would have done this to Chad Gable, I'd have been like, fine, just whatever. But Ali has been gone for seven months. He was going to be in that. He was going to be like the hacker that was totally dropped, by the way, uh, because they're like, this is super obvious. There's no swerves. Let's just drop it because we got nothing. I mean, it just can't book something that makes sense. 
my gosh, this blows my mind. Yeah, this was dumb. Um, I just hate fine. that. Like I said, I mean, how bad? I mean, I didn't think they could look any worse. But Cedric Alexander and Ricochet, there, this was their mystery tag team partner last week that they were like, "Oh, we got a guy, all right." It's Ali, yeah. and then yeah. <laughs> now he's just tapping out to Lashley. Yeah. Just, uh, like that was the thing is like at least Paul Heyman. You know, he, he's getting some heat from some people now, but I, I got to say, man, at least he clearly tried. I mean, he tried with Aleister Black. He did a really good job with Drew McIntyre. He he, he's, he tried with, like, Umberto to some extent. I mean, he probably didn't get the push he deserved, who I will say is now losing on main event. So let Perfect. that sink in for a minute. The guy who, you know, had a shot against Seth Rollins when he was a champion is losing on main yeah. event now. So that young talent is, you know, dead. Uh Andrade, who got pushed, Apollo Cruz, who is like just non-existent. I mean, it's not really his fault, but I mean, I'll be very surprised if he gets the same treatment if, when he comes back. Like, I mean, they wonder why this is getting record lows on TV, and it's just stuff like this. Yeah, like they're not. Uh, who cares? Like, why would I ever want to see Ali against Bobby? Like, if Bobby Lashley had not get like been distracted. He would have just been killed faster, is what I got from this match. So yeah. why would I ever want to see them wrestle? Yeah, no, like, I understand. It's stupid. Yeah. You gave the guy a week, less than a week. <laughs> yep, not even, yeah. So Charlie's backstage. She's talking to Ziggler, talking to Ziggles. And Dolph basically says, I don't care what stipulation Drew McIntyre picks. Uh, Randy Orton's going to have to wait in line because after I win, I'm going to SummerSlam. Oh, yeah, earlier Randy Orton challenged Drew McIntyre. That, that's important. Also, uh, there was a. This was the main event was supposed to be a title match, like it was originally. Yeah, it but, was announced last week on the same day. That this <laughs> they were recorded, so they taped the show and said this is going to be a title match. And then, like after they finished, they were like, "Cut!" And Vince is like, oh, "Actually, let's not make this a title match." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next episode. <laughs> like, so what I, are they doing? <sighs> so here's my least favorite thing. In all of wrestling history. Uh, that is not true. But yeah, I really hated it. Here comes Sasha Banks and Asuka. Now, let's rewind for a minute, okay? At Extreme Rules, we had that really fantastic match with a screwy finish, right? The weird thing where Bailey rips off the referee's shirt, Sasha steals the title. Okay? Got it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I want to remind everyone what I said. What I said was... I don't hate this as long as what happened next makes sense. And what happens next was Sasha said, they, Stephanie told Sasha, you're not actually the champion, but even though she carried around for another week. <laughs> they just let her, they just said, <laughs> I mean, not to mention that WWE has a history of having this dumb rule where champions, when they lose via DQ, count out, whatever, is called the championship advantage the belt goes back to the rifle champion. Now, if you want to, I mean, you know, if you want to like, if Stephanie wanted to take the title and say, we're going to hold it because their excuse was, well, uh, Sasha clearly didn't win, but neither did Oscar. And it's like, okay, right. well then it was a disqualification or it's a no contest. So Oscar's the champion. Exactly. By every rule, like for the last, basically since WWE has been in existence, that's been a rule. But they decided here, no, we're just going to let Sasha keep it for no reason. So she really, I mean, 
just even like to think about that is like, if this is real, like WWE, the company is going to let this person who doesn't have a right to hold this belt. They didn't win the match. They're just going to let her walk around and travel with it, travel to SmackDown. I guess she's not really traveling across States, but still she's showing up on other shows, like way in the title. It's like, it would never happen anywhere else. Yeah. (laughs) Ridiculous. And Yeah, Oscar, you just don't even get to see your title ever again. Like, we're just going to let Sasha carry around and pretend like she's a champion until you get to fight again. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, moving on to the next thing, is they set this thing where if you get disqualified and get counted out, doesn't matter. The winner of this match gets the title no matter what, okay? Yep. Fine. No big deal. Not the end of the world. You think some screw is probably going to happen, but whatever, right? Sure. So, Bailey and Kyrie Sane come out. Kyrie immediately, or with Sasha and Asuka, uh, Kyrie immediately runs Bailey off. So now we're going to have Sasha and Asuka. No issues, right? They give this match probably 20 minutes, and it was a banger. Mm-hmm. It was really, really good. And I mean, really good. Was it better than Extreme Rules? I don't really know. But I will tell you that they were both incredible matches to the point where as I'm watching this match, I literally thought Asuka and Sasha are two of the greatest wrestlers in the world. Like regardless of gender, Asuka and Sasha are both so incredible at what they do. They're so really, really good. So I'm sitting here. I'm like, man, we're finally going to get the payoff to this match of that screwy finish. But it's okay. You know what? It's no, no problem. We're going to get the payoff. So here's your payoff. All right. Actually, before we get into the payoff, I do want to point out one point in the match where uh, Sasha looked like an absolute dummy. She went outside, grabbed both belts, tossed one in the ring. The ref's like, nope, he's taken one out. And then, like, Sasha, like, stands there above Asuka, even though the ref just tosses the belt out and turns back immediately. And then she tosses the belt to Asuka after the referee has already turned around, then falls down and tries to do the Eddie Guerrero thing. It's like, she hit me. And the rest like, clearly not. Like, I sat there and watched you throw it. Like, how stupid do you think I am? It was it was a bad spot. Uh, maybe it was just mistimed. I don't know. But, yeah. Was not was not good. Even though I understand she loves Eddie Guerrero. And, you know, it's a nice reminder. But it did not work. Didn't it was work. by far not the worst thing that happened involving this match. That's true. That's true. So, let's, let's go to the end. And, again, the match was so good. There was one spot where Sasha had Asuka in a half crab. And, like, she reached back, grabbed her arm... And hooks her arm and her leg. She started biting her fingers and the ref couldn't see it. Like, it's, it's little things like that. These two ladies are so, so good at what they do. And the end. The TV randomly turns on. Just randomly for no reason. And Bailey is beating the crap out of Kyrie Sane. Beating the crap out of her. Taking her head. Smashing her into the like garage door. Just over and over. And Kyrie screams out for Asuka. And Asuka is holding Sasha's limp body because she has basically already beat her but decides not to pin her. She's trying to pick her up and she can't even pick her up because Sasha is unconscious. So if you are a competitor in a kayfabe wrestling match, if wrestling is real, all right? Not kayfabe, in a shoot wrestling match. Wrestling's real. You try to pick up your opponent and they crumble to the ground. What do you do? You pin them. It's over. But no, Asuka starts picking her up. The screen turns on. Bailey's destroying Kyrie. And so Asuka, for like 30 seconds, is trying to decide what to do. Now, what could Asuka have done in that 30 seconds? Option number one. Win the match. Yeah, Asuka could have dropped Sasha Banks and pinned her. One, two, three. Option number two. 
Oscar could have hit an a some sort of finisher, big move, and pinned her. Easily in 30 seconds. Option number three. Oscar could have dropped her, and if Sasha kicks out, go help your friend. Option number four. Oscar could have immediately went to help Kyrie. But Oscar chose option number five, which is to try to pick Sasha up as she's watching this happen on the screen, and she's like looking back and forth. Like, I'm not sure what to do. Should I look? Should I go help Kyrie? Like, should I continue to attack Sasha? Should I hold Sasha here like she's a little baby cradling her body because she's asleep? Like, that is, that's what was happening. She's just holding her, and then she eventually just drops her and runs off to help Kyrie. Matt, it's actually worse than what you just described. Okay, go for it. What did, what did I miss? It was bad. So, as you said, the TV just randomly cut on, and it's just like, yeah. uh, who in WWE is just like, oh, hey, we got to fight in the back. Let's just interrupt this match and play it on the big screen. to root. Like, yeah. I mean, if I were Asuka, I would go beat up everybody and spray green, green mist in their face in the truck who just turned this thing on to clearly distract her Yeah, during this match. Uh not only that, so Bailey is, you know, beating up Kyrie. I mean, it's obviously they're playing it off because Kyrie is being written off TV and they're playing this like this is some massive beating. Uh, not to mention Kyrie just last week, which was the same week that they filmed this, as we pointed out multiple times, Kyrie defeated Bailey. But yep. for some reason, Bailey just beating her up backstage. She has to cry out for Asuka to come help her because she's so defenseless. And we've seen multiple times, even in WWE, not just other companies, but in WWE alone, we've seen so many write-off segments. I mean, we had another one on the show, supposedly, of Aleister Black having his eye driven into steps. We had it with Rey Mysterio for a while. We've had people run over with cars, blown up or whatever. Bailey is just kicking Kyrie Sane. Just kicking her. And hitting her with punches. And this is just so devastating. Asuka yeah. is just sitting there. And like you said, Sasha is dead. She's yeah. limp, unmoving. The referee probably should have lifted her hand and tried to see if she could even continue the match. Oh, the match. She was out. So what's even worse, though, is that you gave several options of how Asuka could win the match. One that you left off, I think, and it's probably the one that should have happened. Asuka had her hand, like... She basically had the entire setup for the Oscar lock. Yeah. All she had to do is put on like the body vice and actually put on the pressure. She had her arm hooked like the chicken wing, had her hand around Sasha. She was basically having to repeatedly pick Sasha up off the canvas. And need I remind you, this is a move that not only have people like been put in and been immediately forced out like to tap to. So it's a quick tap move or they pass out and the referee calls for the bell. Yep. Asuka had this move in like yep. there's no like she looked like the biggest dummy. Now, if you want to argue and say, well, if she tries to continue with this and lets her friend get beat up, what does that say for her? Like she's much like Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. You could just say that Asuka cares more about the title than her best friend. OK. If, if you want to say that, it's just like that might be a good story, but this was the absolute worst way to tell that story because they did everything else wrong with it. They like the setup was wrong because Sasha was dead. She could have, like you said, pinned her. There was multiple things she could have done. And Hey, even if she pins her and she kicks out, then she leaves. And then like, she can't, you know, she tries to roll up and Sasha keeps kicking out and she can't 
you know, she's she's given up on winning the match because she can't quite put her away, but she wants to go say her. Like, there's multiple ways to do this better, but they did yeah. none of them. It looks nope. stupid. So she leaves. She gets counted out. She loses the title. Yep. And then when she goes to the back to say her friend, her friend is dead. Yep. Bailey's gone, so it made no difference. Nope. And Kyrie Sane is dead to WWE TV. She's no longer there, supposedly. So Asuka looked so bad here. And I've, I've heard some people try to defend this, which I don't know how you could absolutely even do it. But there are some WWE like fans who are defending this saying, you know, Asuka was a true friend. She's going, she's going to save her friend. The title didn't mean, you know, didn't mean as much to her as it did to her friendship with Kyrie. She had to go save her and she'll get her revenge. This doesn't make her look bad because she'll eventually, eventually beat Sasha and get the title back. And to that, I say, well, that's even dumber. Yeah. Because Kyrie's dead. She's not coming back. She's taking, she's leaving WWE. I mean, she might eventually come back someday, but I don't think so. I wouldn't. Uh, but for Asuka, if you want to say the title doesn't mean as much to her, then what does it matter if she comes back and gets revenge on Sasha and takes the title back? She's never going to get her friendship with Kyrie back. So from a story standpoint, like in every way you put this, it's stupid. It sucks. This yeah. was dumb. I told Matt as soon as this happened, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I didn't think this could like this ending of this match could be worse than what they did yeah. at Extreme Rules. But I absolutely think this was way worse. Agreed. Like, I mean, the Bailey putting on the ref shirt was stupid and the whole them getting away with the title and nobody stopping her and Sasha holding the belt for weeks was pretty stupid. But this just made Oscar look horrible, made her look like an idiot. And, and not only that, if like, who's this supposed to get heat on? Yeah. Sasha, she didn't do anything. She was dead. Bailey was just beating up Kyrie. Like nobody after this match thought, oh, that's Sasha and Bailey. Like it just makes Oscar look bad or it makes Stephanie look bad for putting this stupid match together. And like the company looks bad for not giving Oscar her belt back. Like I don't see who this benefit in any way, like heel babyface or any character in this whole thing. I was furious when I saw it. I just like have been stewing about it, obviously since I've been ranting about it, like it's the worst kind of booking that you could do. Cause nobody looks good coming out of this. Like yeah. you kill Kyrie. Oscar like an idiot. Sasha and Bailey didn't get heat from it. And the title, it was just like meaningless because nobody cared about it. Right. So yeah, this is dumb, 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 dumb. I was thinking about this on the way to work today and I was angry then. I was like, I can't believe that I had to sit through that and then watch the rest of Raw because I was so furious. Like I, I messaged you guys and I was absolutely furious. And I, I'm not going to lie, the rest of this review is a little biased because I totally checked out. I was so irritated and so angry. All I could think about is why in the world am I watching this gosh awful show? I wanted to turn it off, but I couldn't because I had to do the raw review. But I was absolutely so, so angry. I was just, ugh, I'm still angry about it. Yeah, I, I did turn the show off. And uh, I mean, that uh, the main event, of, you know, for all intents and purposes, was a pretty good match yeah. for what it was, I, yeah. which I mean, which makes me even more angry because I was just like, well, I, you know, missed a good match when it was going on because I was so angry with what happened here. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
I haven't really said much during this review. Yeah. I, I'm, I am still here. I want to let everybody know, but uh, <laughs> I just, I just wanted to say that this, this booking didn't affect me at all because I don't care. <laughs> I this is like 2000 Nitro bad. Like I Vince cared. Russo wouldn't write a story this bad. I haven't cared for so long. The Hell in a Cell with the Fiend and yeah. Seth Rollins broke me. I came back. I started watching WWE. I was like, man, this is pretty good. I can enjoy this again. I'll watch this. I'll watch SmackDown. I'll watch Raw. I'll maybe watch some NXT. I'm watching it. They've broken me. I don't care. I don't blame I, you. I don't watch the shows. I, I, I don't care. I don't care at all. And um, before too long, this is just going to be an AEW podcast. So, <laughs> what, uh, what's even more infuriating, and I, I, I sort of will move on from this, but it was a good, like Matt said, it was a good match. Main event was a good match. Uh, their pay per view match was a good match. And it's a shame that we have to talk about how dumb this is when they these two girls, two women, worked so hard in both these matches and oh, yeah. delivered. And it's just like overshadowed by how stupid it is. It doesn't matter how good the match is if the booking is bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could, they could be doing 450 splashes off the top of a steel cage, and I would not care if the booking was bad. Yeah. It just tarnished, and it tarnished anything that they do going forward. Uh, just because, I mean, if they would have had like an awesome match on the pay per view and like didn't have a screw finish and then just had a rematch, like I, I would have been looking forward to it. I really wasn't looking forward to this match because it was just like, I mean, it was so dumb leading into it. I mean, luckily they worked hard and it turned out to be a decent match. But then again, like they just had another stupid finish. So why would you invest any of your time to try and follow this? Like, do you just do you want to tune in each week? Those people who are tuning in each week and there's not many of them anymore. But do you want to tune in each week to see these people work hard for you know several minutes and then just get crapped on by, you know, Vince McMahon, basically? Or yeah. Bruce Pritchard, whoever's writing this dumb stuff, because it's just not worth it. Whereas, like AEW, a good show, they give you good wrestling, and most of the time, very sensical booking. So it's right. fun to follow along with. It makes it enjoyable to tune in each week. You build an audience, which is hey, what you're supposed to do in a good TV show, exactly. but not on Raw. Like it's it's so infuriating because these people are working so hard in WWE, they're risking their lives to this pandemic, and this is what we get. Like yeah. it's it's so infuriating as a fan of just wrestling, uh, like, yeah, it's, I'm tired of it. Like it's it's yeah. so ridiculous. So, the third hour of Raw. So this ended. There was a, a third hour. After, yeah. <laughs> this ended a little after the third hour started. Drew the law lowest third hour of all time. And yeah, our, it was a one point six, right? No, it was a 1.46. It's a 1.46, right? Okay. Yep. AEW topped out at a 1.04, I think, this week. Yeah, it's getting closer. AEW has direct competition with NXT. If NXT yes, was not on Wednesday nights, AEW, I guarantee you, would be beating Raw in the ratings. Well, I don't know that because a lot of the NXT people are the over 50s who don't watch AEW. So, I mean, I, I think it's possible. But I, I don't think that... Possible. When, when when WCW folded, WWF was expecting this giant increase in fans, but it didn't happen because there are WCW fans and WWF fans. It, there wasn't there was some crossover, sure, but 
there wasn't this huge bump in numbers like they were expecting because a lot of people just stopped watching wrestling when WCW went out of business. Yeah, I think you can also look at, too, though, like when NXT has a really big week, how many fans AEW loses. Right. I, I think they would be beating them. I really do. I think it's a couple hundred thousand. I think AEW would regularly be over a million. But that's neither here nor there. Let's get back Let's get back to Raw because what? I want to finish this. Uh, <laughs> Humberto Carrillo's in the next match. Now you might think, hmm, why didn't Humberto Carrillo come out and help Dominic and Aleister Black? Because, uh, you know, clearly he, he has been for like the past month or two. Uh, I just imagine them wheeling Alistair like off a gurney and him just like rolling by Umberto and Umberto just being like, my bad, bro. Yeah, exactly. And what made it even more infuriating is that he wrestled Murphy. And they're like, yeah, Murphy's going to take care of Umberto Carrillo. And I'm like, why? And normally, Buddy Murphy, who is my favorite up-and-comer in all of WWE, my favorite new wrestler, right? Favorite guy that I, I want to have a bright future. Whereas Humberto Carrillo, who is an obnoxiously talented kid. Normally I would be so excited for this, but I didn't even watch it. Like when I was watching Raw, I was playing cards on my computer, and then I would pause my card game, watch stuff that's important, and then I would go back to my card game during the commercial or whatever because I watched Raw live this week. Well, I'm not sure I paid any attention to this at all because I was sitting there stewing in my own fury over Asuka and Sasha. So this match could have been good, and you know what? It probably was, but it didn't matter because I didn't watch it. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I didn't. I was too angry. I was too frustrated. I don't blame you. Yeah. Uh, they, it, it was short anyway. And there also was, I believe I skipped over, uh, they went in the back and then it showed Bailey and Sasha. They're talking about how they have all the gold. They walk off and Asuka is backstage. She comes out of the doctor's room and she looks like she's going to murder somebody. So yeah, Asuka's face looked good in this. So let's, uh, Let's make Asuka a, a Bailey and Banks murderer. There you go. Cool. Uh, Murphy won the match, by the way. Uh, the Murphy's Law looks amazing. Buddy Murphy's a great wrestler. Uh, Extreme Rules match. Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler. Drew McIntyre gets to pick the stipulation, but instead of screwing over Dolph because Drew McIntyre is a babyface, hence in WWE, he cannot be super smart. He's like, ah, it's Extreme Rules again, but now we can both do it. Ah, ha, ha, ha. And again, I'm sure this match was great. I heard it was great. What I saw of it was great, but did I pay attention? Nope. I was playing my card game because I was so furious. I'm, I'm just, I just gotta be honest with you. And like, I am not going to be on the show the next couple weeks. because I'm focusing on any focus and my family is going to be here. And let me tell you, I am not sad about it at all. And I have been really like, go back and listen to the last couple weeks of episodes. I think for the last three weeks I've praised Raw and I'm like, yeah, there was some stupid stuff, but the matches were great. I've really enjoyed the show. It's been really good. And then I go away for two, for a couple weeks, and they're like, you know what? Just so you won't miss this, here's the stinker. That's what happened. Yeah. What happened? I mean, so, I, I will say, yeah, the, the main event was good. Uh, yeah. I did think it was a little silly that Drew came out and, I mean, he took a beating from Dolph. Uh, yeah. As you said, this was supposed to be a title match. Uh, but in the original title match, they had Extreme Rules. He took a beating from Dolph. Dolph tried to screw him over. And he just comes out and be like, I had fun. Let's do it again, except I could have extreme rules this time. It's like, why don't you just flip it and be like, I'll have extreme rules and you can't and just beat the yeah. crap out of Dolph. Like, who's, who's going to care no, honestly, at that point? No reason to change it. None. It might as well have been a title match because McIntyre won. Yeah. So why would you take it away? And it was a good match. It was. Yeah. So after the match, McIntyre stands tall. He gets RKO'd out of nowhere. Randy Orton stands above Drew McIntyre and says, I told you because at the beginning of the show, which I think I forgot to mention, he said that McIntyre won't see it coming. There you go. 
Uh, Randy Orton had a good showing on the beginning and the end of the show and bookended a stinker of a Monday Night Raw. So, do I think the show deserves an F? No, because even the, the stuff with a stupid, ridiculous, idiotic booking, it was good. There were good matches. So, like Lashley and Ali, it was good. Uh, Ali just looked like a dummy. Sasha versus Oscar was incredible. Uh, I'm sure the main event was good, but honestly, I was so tuned out. But this show was so poorly booked. I mean, just so, just so poorly booked. There were so many stupid things in it. The Sasha versus Oscar uh, ending. The Nia versus uh, Shayna, just no contest. Alistair Black getting his eye poked out and written off TV because Vince is tired of him. Uh, Ali just getting absolutely destroyed until he, uh, until Lashley gets, you know, uh, uh, distracted. It was just dumb. It was just dumb. But entering stuff was good, and I always say that entering stuff can overcome bad booking if it has good wrestling. But you know what? Not this week. This show gets a D, and I think that's generous. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't F quality, but man, it's about as close as you can get with that, just with the booking alone. And like I said, it's I mean, it's just another example of like sports entertainment overshadowing good wrestling. And yeah, I mean, I would almost give it a D minus, about as close as you can get to an F without actually being an F. So. Right, it's right on the cusp for me. Um, but the main event was fun, at least. And Sasha, and you know, Sasha, it being the match that it was. Uh, I mean, despite having the horrible ending, like it, it was, it was at least like some good before the end. And there were some other things in there that were okay, but all in all, just an overall bad show. So yeah, I'd give it a D minus. Yeah. So I just. Done. I'm done. I'm taking a break. We're going to try to get some guests on here next week, next couple weeks, see what we can do. Uh, if not, one of you guys will have to have taken nope. the, tor- the torture. Nope. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. Nope. So, Yeah, I, I was telling Matthew, we're going to have a hard time finding a guest that actually wants to sit through three hours for a while. <laughs> um, uh, so maybe, we'll, maybe, see. maybe we'll get Rain on here and she'll give it an A no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet Rain is not happy with this week. She's a big oh, yeah, Oscar right, fan. She loves Oscar so much. Big Oscar fan. We need to get her back on. We have she. It's been too long. She's been on. We we miss Rain. Yeah. So we'll we'll see if we can make that happen. Yeah. Well, she definitely, I would think, is not happy with this week, and I'd be interested to see her take. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's up on YouTube. Check her out. WWE. What if? We'll, maybe we'll go watch it after this is over because I'm I'm interested too. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 121 of Wrestle Life Radio. Uh, the episode where we had to sit through one of the worst Raws of the year, let's say. Yeah. And you know what? It's fine because it's over and we can all move on with our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, please follow us all on Instagram and Facebook at Wrestle Life Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. You can follow Kyle on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. Follow me on Instagram at Twitter at Wrestle Life Matt. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you for letting us rant. Thank you for listening to our rants. We very much appreciate you. Tune in on Saturday for Indie Focus with the young Professor Matt Grafer. Really awesome ring announcer and master of ceremonies for the Jacksonville Sharks. So has a lot of cool stories, so make sure to tune in. We really appreciate you, and we hope you all have an absolutely wonderful day. See you guys.